This is Bars Loaded with Ben and Nick. A strength, powerlifting and performance podcast. Where we hope to share our opinions, help educate and inspire. Tell a few stories, build a community along the way and... Bars Loaded. Three, two, one. I think we're live. I think we are. Perfect. Welcome back, Ben. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Welcome back to you too, Nick. Uh, you said you wanted to start with a question, so you do that while I pop my my lozenger my throat so my question is and obviously there's context that a lot of people aren't going to have here but we have context for the uh the test recording that we did before tonight and my question is i'm like how is the pre-potty poo oh <laughs> the triple p <laughs> it's a famous triple p and it's glorious every time oh. well you inspired me my is fantastic yeah, so for everyone listening, you're listening to two very fresh gentlemen that have relieved themselves, and there will be no shit talking tonight. There's no shit left to talk. That's the biggest lie ever told in podcast oh, history. Absolutely, there that it is. <laughs> so just before we started recording, I was telling you about Honey because for those of you that don't know, Ben's. Ben is a curator of some fantastic honey. Is that placement? Is that what it's called? A curator or a, a producer? A, a bee merchant? I'm a beekeeper. I like merchant better. Mm, I don't. <laughs> no, you're you're a beekeeper, a, a merchant of fine liquid gold. I'm a generational beekeeper. Okay, tell me about that. Yeah. Um, so my grandfather taught me how to work with bees back in 2020 when we were in lockdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that goes back like five generations in my family. Nice. The really, actually, you'll probably get some enjoyment out of this. So when we, when we do the bees, like we, we pull the frames out of the hives, we pretty much cut the caps off and then we chuck them in an extractor that gets spun around really, really fast. And then we press open up the valve at the bottom and it which goes from there into the jars. And that's what we see in the jar. Mm-hmm. The gear that's on, so our, like we have a very like old school setup. Again, it goes back five generations, so it's very old. The gear that we run on the top of the 44 gallon drum has a suburb of, of New South Wales on it. Yeah, right. What suburb? Maitland. <laughs> Get out of town. <laughs> yeah. I remember like when I like obviously there would have been a link when I first realized that like a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember seeing that and just being like, "What are the fucking odds? <laughs> what are the odds?" <laughs> like, just, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I've had some of Ben's honey. It's it was really good. Um, but I was just about to tell you before we started recording that I have fairly recently become uh known of or aware of uh what's it called it's like white like gooey honey it's like what's that called what candied or creamed honey creamed honey yeah creamed yeah. honey oh yeah. man now that <laughs> is good do you, do you want to know how simple it is to make creamed honey yeah <laughs> 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 if you've got like a um 
like one of those like whisk things at home that like it's got like the big bowl in it, it's got the arm that goes down with the spinny thing in it. I don't yeah. know what the fuck they're called. Yeah, like a KitchenAid. Yeah. You literally like in that bowl, you just pour the honey in, mm-hmm. put the the whisker thing into it, and you let it run for like twenty minutes. That's it. That's it. Why does it taste so sweet? So it's one of the things like some honeys have different like high or lower sugar contents based on what the bees are bought in. Mm-hmm. It's why like, well, it's partly to do with like um, why some honey will candy and some won't. Okay. Yep. But like when it fluffs up, it just like, A, you'll end up getting more honey out than what you put in. Mm-hmm. And it somehow changes the fa- flavor profile of it, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it is cool. I've been enjoying that. And I, uh, for the, a little bit there when I wasn't in a diet so much Ew. and I was on like a lot of food, I was having like spoonfuls of that for my pre-workout, like just straight from the jar. I was like three spoonfuls yeah. of creamed honey. Perfection. <laughs> yeah, that was what I'd have before. My I favorite up. pre-workout that I've like had, it just, it reminds me of like when I was a kid and my, like we used to have like honey joys as treats, mm-hmm. but like, it's just literally like, do you get a couple of slices of toast with some like organic butter on it? And then I drizzle some of that honey on top of it. And my God, it is so fucking delicious. Yeah. Honey, honey is a delicious product. Yeah, it is. We had quite a pretty, I don't know if it was Australia wide, but I know up here there was a pretty bad bee issue. Yeah, that was one of my concerns. Like, so when I moved up, um, I, I think it's Varroa mite or something like that. I'm not 100% but, like, sure. In New South Wales in particular, like the Hunter Valley and a lot of like the Central Coast got absolutely fucking smashed with it yeah, to the happen. point where they were, they were destroying ghastly amounts of beehives. Yeah, there was um, one of our members – at the gym that I managed, she had, that was her business mm. was, you know, making honey and the, yeah, they destroyed all her bees. She had zero bees left. The crazy thing is like, they sit there and they're like, oh, like I know, I know of beekeepers that literally had hundreds of hives and the government came in and destroyed all of them with zero compensation. Isn't that crazy? Like imagine coming through and being like, hey, I'm, we're going to destroy your livelihood and we're not like, you would sit there and go, hey, look, you know, this is really shit, but to preserve and protect, you know, the country, mm-hmm. unfortunately, like we have to destroy your bees and there's going to be, you know, X amount of ban on it. You would sit there and you would think they would go, okay, your bee company brings in however much money a year. We're just going to go, we're going to give you two years worth of money up front mm-hmm. to accommodate for that. Or we're going to pay to relocate your family so that you can continue your bee operation elsewhere. But you have to start with bees from scratch. Yeah. You can't take your bees. We have to kill them. But take all of your processing stuff, all of that sort of stuff. You can just like, would you? Like, yeah. they didn't do any of that. And it was crazy. That is crazy. Because, I mean, it's, some people will be like, wow, that sounds like a crazy idea. Like, no government would do that. But private companies do that. Yeah. Like I've been paid relocation packages multiple times in my life to do nothing more than literally jump in my car and drive to another state and start work yep. and get like 
tens of thousands of dollars to do that. <laughs> I will say, sometimes like the relocation package can be bloody lucrative. Yeah, I got. I mean, I'm, I don't obviously want to go into my entire financial history, but I worked for a pretty pretty large fitness company, and I was pretty high up. And I wasn't like high high up. I class myself as like middle management. I was a club manager for the for the larger end of the the club scale. And I got a promotion to, well, it wasn't even a promotion. It was a lateral move to another club in California from Washington. So just literally two states down and they gave me 40 grand. US. US, 40 grand US. As, <laughs> as the relocation package on top of like signing bonus and salary package and everything. That was literally just like, here's 40K US to buy some furniture, pay bond at a rental property that you find, yes, get yourself set up. Which is insane. It's insane because I didn't even have any furniture and I didn't want any. I literally (laughs) just (laughs) drove two states and moved in with my mates. Worse. Yeah, it worked out okay. Yeah. So how's your week been, mate? Uh, It has been busy but productive. Yep. Yeah. You, have you? Did you um? Did you lock anything down for the face-to-face coaching? Yes. Do you want to I talk? Con- so you I saw t- my contracts firing. You sign it tomorrow. Yeah. Cool. So, so, you, so you can talk about it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so it's it's quite funny. I've spoken to a few people about it, and they're like, "Oh, that's an interesting move for you," because like. A lot of people associate me and my business with like high-end performance. Of course. It's and literally all... called Mark Performance. Mac. Mac, Mark. I like Mark because it sounds like a fighter jet, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like Mark 1. Yeah, my thing was kind of like Mac trucks because I'm like, they're big and fucking burly. And I'm like, Mac works because it kind of ties in with my last name a little bit better. How do you say your last name again? Macar. Well, is... No. Mac- Incorrect. Macar. Incorrect. Mac. Incorrect. This I... is actually going to... It's going to solidify your point a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> like, because everyone, like, obviously, like, my Instagram handle... Matcha. Matcha. Incorrect. Incorrect. Ah, oh, God damn it. I, I just it's call you Ben Mac. Mac. That's the thing. Like, because everyone just calls me Ben Mac, I'm like... I'm just going to call it like Mac performance, but like if I was just MAC, then it's like, it doesn't really tie into my last name too much. And obviously because my incident handle is Ben Mac, I'm like Mac performance. Yeah. Makes sense. But my last name is pronounced Marker. Marker. That's right. Like a permanent marker. We went through this. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's so rude of me. Literally my best friend. I don't even know how to say your name. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> what, what a fucking shit, mate. Um, so, like, I have decided on a location in a... So, I mean, like, suburb doesn't really matter because it's not really going to make sense to probably a lot of the people that listen, but I'm going to be starting at Anytime Fitness. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a few reasons why I opted for that. And one is, like, first and foremost... It's a tiny club in terms of like square meterage, um, but they have like eighteen hundred members there. Nice. 
And I think from what they were saying, they've owned, they got about maybe 80 of them that work with the PT at the moment. Yeah, cool. So they were about to hire their fifth coach. Um, and then on like a Friday and then a Monday, they had to leave. So they've got like enough clients for five coaches, but they've only got two. And these two coaches, from what I've been told, are newer to the industry. Mm-hmm. So when I met with the club owner, he was like, dude, he's like, it's very, very rare that we have someone of your experience and that sort of stuff that like comes in here goes, this is the kind of club where, you know, people will generally train here for like one to three years. And then they kind of find the thing that they want to do, like whether that be like CrossFit, powerlifting, bodybuilding, and then they go and join a gym for that. Yeah. And because you have so many of them around in the area. Yeah. Like we're not, you know, we're not shy on options for gyms in Melbourne. Um, And I was like, well, beautiful. Like I love working with gem pop and I love working with you gem pop because it means I get to teach them the right shit from the get go. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, am I restricted in terms of how I can operate? Like, can I run semi-private classes or does it all have to be one-on-one or like two-on-one? He's like, nah, dude. He's like, mate, if you pay your rent, he's like, I don't give a fuck what you do. And I'm like, nice. cool. So there's like, there's lucrative business opportunities for me there. Um, and as much as I would love to like, you know, work out of the gym that I train from, I'm like, I also want those to be separate. Yeah. Yeah. I think, so that's, I, was, I think that's a really good move. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to keep my training at my training gym. And then I've got, um, obviously any time that I can work out, And then I do like some of my consults, like I travel out to other people's gyms anyway. So like, that's a way that I can navigate that too. And then I've also got pro rule that I do some stuff out of. And so with the, with the anytime gig, are you allowed to do some other stuff in special specialist gyms? Yeah. So I pretty much said to them, I'm like, you guys don't have, um, the facilities or the equipment to, accommodate for some of the clientele that I do work with. So I'm like, am I allowed to operate out of other facilities? And he's like, yep. He's like pretty much like, as long as you don't poach members, mm-hmm. it's fine. Yep. And I'm like, cool. I'm like, I don't have to poach members. I can literally just say to someone like, Hey, if you want to do this kind of training with me, that's fine. But if we're going to be doing face to face specifically for this, we just probably can't do it here. Yeah. Yeah. I've known a few people that have worked at any type fitnesses and obviously it's, because they're a franchise that's owner dependent, but a lot of the yeah. owners are, are pretty good with stuff like that from what I've well, been I, like, So when I had, so the the owner of this gym, like he was apparently on the phone to like, so I, I got hired for like a third party. So they hired me and they placed me into this gym. Um, and he was like, mate, like, can you, he was like, <laughs> he was pretty like upfront. He's like, mate, he's like, we kind of need a decision from you. He's like, the club owner has called me he's called our state manager and he's also called the national manager (laughs) to see what sort of like perks we can give to you to convince you to sign on (laughs) and i'm like cool man i'm like i'll I'll sit like i'll read through the contract and i'll let you know what alterations i want made to it to accommodate me yeah so like i got i got a pretty good deal um you know i didn't get everything that I wanted, but I'm like, I got enough to make it worth my side of the fence. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Like worst case scenario is if in, you know, 
nine months time i'm like I, i'm not you know not loving it then i'll just say my thank yous and i'll you know pivot again yeah but i think it's actually a really good deal because when you first told me which was you know obviously earlier this week uh yeah my initial reaction was exactly um you know what those other people's reactions were and i was like oh yeah that's an odd choice given the area that you're in, the skill set that you have, the options that you have available to you. But it, it literally only took me five seconds. Like I don't even think I messaged you that because by the time I was messaging you, it made sense because I speak to you a lot. I know how passionate you are about helping people with their quality of life and extending not only like the quality of their life, the quantity of their life and, and how well they can live that. And then you also have the option to work with athletes both over the internet and, and in person as well. So it's kind of like a no-lose situation for you. Yeah. Like it, the only thing it'll probably, and again, like without going into my business models and the financial sides of it, um, you know, like I can operate semi-private so I can make a much more cost-effective option for people because like, again like not to toot my own horn but like i'm not cheap hmm. and i don't apologize for that but it no. is a big barrier of entry for a lot of people whereas if i can turn and be like hey look you know what I, I can give you coaching options where you can see me face to face for the week and it's under 100 bucks a week mm-hmm. like again not to toot my own horn but it's a really valuable option that a lot of people are going to have massive benefit from so yeah that's a fantastic option yeah, so I'm I'm pretty excited to to be able to sort of get in there and be like, all right, well, guys, like we're gonna, you know, get it like a really good like because again, my thing is like I want to build a really good culture around strength within that gym. Yep. Um, and I think as well like going to the gym, like the two coaches that are existing at the studio, like they're both young women. Mm-hmm. Having obviously me come in, like there's a big gap for one a male trainer because they're like and again not to be sexist but like there are a lot of people in who like go to gyms that are like i don't want a female trainer like i want a manly trainer i want someone who's going to tell me what to do mm-hmm. and i want someone that can be firm like i would say i'm probably on the softer side of the coaching approach like i i'm i'm not a hard ass i don't yell and scream at people unless that's required mm-hmm. but like as you would have seen like perfect example is that session where you were going to do a 300 kilo squat I'm like no, no it's 290. yeah I play down here. Yeah, but you but you can play up as well if you need to. It's just not. Oh, yeah. It's not so. It's not so much an aggressive up though. It's more of a like hype hype up because the flip side of the squat session was the the final deadlift session, which, which you was mean, right? which was probably one of my favorite sessions in me- memory. Like that was yeah. that was pretty up there for me because yeah, same. It was from memory the. The the, uh, the second last deadlift was horrible. And I think that was 305. What no, it, 300. Uh, it was yes. 300. It was 300 yeah. on the dot. And it, was, it wasn't horrible, but it was like, it wasn't good. I fell forward. Um, I lost position off the ground. I made it. And then I, I don't even think I actually locked that out. Like I really like struggled to get it to the top and it was like it was ugly as shit i was like oh man (laughs) i don't know what happened there but that was way harder than it should have been um but you were just like oh well we'll instead of just going 
straight to where you're going to go. Like, why not just take another one? And then I took the next one, which I think from memory I did 310. And that was great. And you were just like, why the fuck didn't you do that last time? (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I don't know. That was way better. So then I was actually thinking I might even just call it there. And you were just like, nah, dude, that wasn't, that's not a last deadlift. Like we're going up 317. Yeah. I was like, oh, sweet. All right. Load it. Like, it's funny. Like we're obviously talking about like me being like cool, calm and collected in some settings. And then me being like hyped as a motherfucker. You should see me on comp days when I get like jacked up on caffeine. Yeah, is it good? Like I am a fucking wild man. Are you like one of your bees? No, dude. Like I'm, I'm the kind of person that's like annoyingly positive. <laughs> like, like, don't worry, that wasn't that bad. Like, you only shot into, <laughs> you only got shot into the fifth row. Could have been heaps worse. <laughs> openers always move that slow bro you're good like one thing i've noticed like especially a lot of like the newer clients that i've like handled or like some of the ones that have done like a few comps like they get really really nervous doesn't matter how many times they've compared like they get really really nervous i'm like i'm like i'm trying to break that that nervous like puddle for them yeah so i just i'm like fuck it i'm like let's just fucking send it let's have a bit of fun with it but I just, I, I feel like I have a really good grasp on like when I need to go, I'm going to go up here. And it's like when someone's getting like too excited and too aroused before a lift, it's like, no, 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 no. Like, don't do that yet. Yeah. It's like. Calm down now. Now that I've hyped you up, let's calm you down. No, no, I'm like, this is like different comments. Like, <laughs> let's, completely I, I, fuck, <laughs> let's completely fuck with your emotions. <laughs> It's like, I'm going to edge you. Yeah. I'm going to edge you all day. You think you're here for powerlifting? Uh-uh. No <laughs> way, buddy. <laughs> this like, is a different game. Like, did you watch Dragon Ball Z when you were younger? Like when it came out on like cheese TV and shit? Bro, of course. Okay, so this is where like... What kind of, of gym What kind of gym bro would I be if I said no to that? I'm just checking. You never know. No. You, <laughs> you fucking... You know. If I make fun of nerds, I bloody well better have watched Dragon Ball Z. Fucking oath. So one of the, uh, like, this is something I do for myself quite a lot. So when I'm prepping and I'm in wraps, like, I don't think you've ever seen me get wrapped, but I get wrapped very tight. Mm-hmm. Like, the guy that used to wrap me, Hamish, I'd always be like, Hamo, I'm like, try and like, break my knees <laughs> like the tighter that my wraps were the more that i just didn't give a fuck about what weighs on the bikes so i'm like oh, my knees feel like they're about to explode <laughs> but my process of like like it was a very meditative approach but it was kind of like in like the, i think it's like season one maybe no sorry season two it's when vegeta and um fucking uh oh, i forget what he's his like sidekick's name is, is it Nappa? Mm, I don't big... know. So when when Goku and Vegeta are having their first fight on Earth, and Goku's like trying to summon a spirit bomb, mm-hmm. and he's like, you literally, and I mean, it takes like four episodes for it to happen, but you see, like, he's just sitting there and he's just drawing it in, and like that ball is just getting gradually bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And when I get my knees wrapped, I'm like, that's the the process that I'm like all the pain, all the times, like I want to like 
yell and be like, ow, this hurts. It's like, no, no, no. That's just making that ball like bigger and brighter, bigger and brighter, bigger and brighter. And I like internalize and suppress the fuck out of everything. Mm-hmm. So like there's, I've had videos of me in the past where I've been wrapped and like, you can see this happening. I'm sitting there, I'm like, <laughs> I literally look like I'm falling asleep as I'm getting wrapped. But you're just summoning. Yeah. And then like, I get, you know, someone helps me up off the bench and I, I walk out to the platform and like the moment that like my hands hit the bar, it's like that, that ball and that circle just starts to like dissolve. And it's like all of that energy and all of that like emotion is like just oozing out at that point. Mm. And this is where like when I've got someone that I'm handling on comp day and it's like there is there are sometimes like especially like deadlifts, you'll see me like stand behind someone or, like I'll have like my arm on like their shoulder, I'll be like pretty much like standing on like the other side of them. And I'll literally be talking in their ear like this. Mm. And I'm just like, cool. I'm like, you don't get to be hyped yet. <laughs> when they call bars loaded and you walk onto that platform. That's when your energy is going to start revving up. It's only really when you get your hands on your bar that your energy is going to be picked. Because pretty much when you go pick up this deadlift, it's either you're just not going to pick it up because you're going to pass out, or you're going to pick it up and you're going to fucking knock that cunt out. Yeah, there's none like, in between. My friend Corinne. So when I handle her, I've seen a photo of you doing that exact thing to Corinne. Yeah, but like she's someone in particular where I can be like, so for squats. There's a little, a little bit more like hype for bench. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's very like, this is what you have to do. Go and do your job. And then for deadlifts, it's like, I'm going to talk so much smack in your ear <laughs> that you're going to be going like, I'm getting like jittery from excitement. Yeah. I was but, just getting jittery from excitement then. Oh, dude, I, that. dude, I like talk day handling for me is probably like one of my favorite parts of coaching. I don't know if I'll ever. Oh, it's a hundred percent my favorite part of coaching. Yeah, for sure. It's yeah. I'm not. I don't, you've obviously you haven't seen me on comp day either. Um, no, but I. It's it's definitely when I'm in my element for sure. I yeah. love every single thing about comp day as a coach and an athlete, but definitely more so as a coach. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'll ever compete in raps again. But if I do, alas for me. But if I do, I want you to wrap me. Oh fuck yeah! Yeah, because mm. yeah, that that rap that you did on me. Uh, well, if I did, it would have to be sleeved, and I, I didn't get an invite for pro roll. I'm not strong. Not with that attitude. Maybe one day. We'll get there. I have some goals I want to do first. I know you do. Do you want to give people so, a little bit of a tease? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. Yeah, no, that, like that shit under wraps. Pun intended. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not going to talk about it just yet, but there's, there is some goals that we're working towards. So, Good. yeah, this um, training. Like, obviously, like, we have those goals. Or, you know, I have those goals that I've spoken to you and Emma about mm-hmm. and kind of put a little bit of a plan in place on, like, what that's going to look like to get there. But it's a long-term plan, right? Like, yeah. these are goals for, for the end of this year. 
And the first part of that is just getting the body moving properly, getting a general base of fitness, getting access to, to some different planes of motion, planes of movement, and um, just kind of freeing some things up that haven't been working too well for a little bit. Yep. And losing a few more kilos to put me in a good position to push. But I'm going to say I did that six, I did that six week block of what I would call like a, a fairly, you know, like um, almost like rehab focus esque block with still training, but it was more like rehabby. And now I'm into the second week of the second block that's also very rehab focused and it's getting old really quick. Hey, yeah. So this, so this is like week, so this is like week eight. Yeah. And I'm like, I literally said to M this afternoon, this is going to be a four week block and I want it to be over already. So I was literally just going to say to you then I'm like, I would give it like another two weeks, hit like 10 weeks. And then I would start to trickle in, some of the stuff to sort of be like, yeah, we've got the rehab stuff going sort of like along here and cruising a really nice line. It's like once we have to heal, let's maybe like branch off and introduce some new stimulus. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be the plan is not to just like draw a line in the sand and be like, rehab blocks over. Now we're doing hyper specific cop work only. <laughs> Do you know what? It's <laughs> It's going to be a more blended approach where we might add in like one extra exposure for a little bit and then keep keep the base of what we're doing but add something else and then run that for a little bit and then add something else. And it'll just kind of slowly transition towards um, more of a traditional style of training, I guess. Or, or what, what more of like how I would program for someone who isn't dealing with the injuries that I'm dealing with that has a comp in mind. Can I challenge you on that? Of course. What do we see that happens to a lot of powerlifters who do really traditional preps? Yeah, no, I'm, I don't mean traditional. I mean traditional in the sense of like what I want to be doing. Yeah, but what do we generally see from people who go through those preps where they're like, oh, this is what I want to be doing, not necessarily what they need to be doing. Yeah, which is why I'm not doing it because they end up fucking yeah. like I am right now. But this is where like you might be able to blend the two together in like 100%. Keep doing like the stuff that you're doing as like either, hey, this is my warm up. This is what I do before I squat. This is what I do before I bench. This is what I do before I deadlift. Like whether that's like, you know, reverse sled drags, whether that's like the, the Peterson step ups, whether like whatever it is. And it's like, cool, now I'm going to go and squat. And yep. then my accessories, instead of being, oh, well, how can I reinforce my squat positions? It's like, how can I reinforce my knee more? How can I reinforce, yep. you know, X, Y, and Z? And I think if you can, because yep. that's going to give you a very non-traditional approach to a comp prep. <laughs> uh, like obviously a very like non-traditional approach. But I think from the perspective of like longevity and like doing a prep healthily, I think it would be yep. really nice for you. Cause like, if I look back at the times when like my training has been like 
going the best when like I've added the most amount of numbers like to my lifts, it goes against the traditional, this is how you prep for a comp that like most coaches tend to program. And yeah, like I sit there and I go, cool. Well, maybe then instead of following the groove that, you know, the majority of powerlifting coaches in Australia want to set, it's like, maybe I'll try and like, not try and reinvent the wheel, but like I'll, I'll follow other, you know, processes and protocols that have been in place for decades a tried and true mm-hmm. like again i know you and i we make our jokes about west side every once in a while but there's also some validity in like their approach of like going hey we're going to have a, a high intensity day here we're going to mm-hmm. have more skill practice here we're going to limit yep. the exposure to the comp ship and we're going to reinforce this baseline here so that when we do push this up here the work we've done here is enough to kind of hold the the floor from caving in. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I mean, I was having this exact conversation with someone earlier this week. You mean you're talking to other people other than me? (laughs) Very briefly. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) very briefly. But basically just around like how he's training at the moment and how it was differing from what he's been doing in the past. And he's, he's taking a, he's got an overseas coach mm-hmm. and he was like, yeah, I mean, it's just the way that they think about powerlifting. There's very different to how we think about powerlifting in Australia. And he's, he's getting a lot of benefits from it. And it's just, it's different, man. I saw his program. It's, it's different and I can see I'll be fair. I can curious to see if who it is is who I'm thinking it might be. It might be. We'll talk about it. It might be. Yeah, hundred percent. But it I looked at the program and it's pretty cool. Yeah. And there's some stuff there's some stuff in there that you and I have spoken about before, implementing into programs and there's some stuff in there that I've actually got in my program right now that I haven't really seen much of in Australia at all and i just think i just think this comes back to the conversation that you and i have had a lot around powerlifting as a sport is pretty young you know compared to other sports Mm. it's been it hasn't really been around that long it hasn't gone through too many you know evolutions of itself it's kind of in a, a very young stage in its growth yeah and we still do a lot of the things that powerlifting coaches have done forever just because that's what powerlifting that's what powerlifters do for no other reason as to just oh that's just what we do and i think there's a lot of really valid general strength and conditioning concepts that can be applied to powerlifting great and and the benefits would be incredible but it's just it's selling people on that idea that becomes the hard part see I know you and I've spoken about like a potential opportunity that I have coming up later this year that involves me going to the U S mm-hmm. part of what I want to do while I'm there. So obviously I'll go over for, for the reason that I'll be there for, which I'm obviously, I'm not going to talk about yet until it's a, yes, you can come and do this. Um, but then like, so the coach in this story is an employee of that Okay, interesting. Not who I thought it was then. Okay. Um, but 
part of what I want to do is while I'm over in the US, like obviously I'll go for main reason A. Reason B is like I want to kind of be able to travel around and be like, cool, like here are, you know, so like maybe like three or four powerlifting coaches over in the US that I'm quite interested about like their level of progression and, you know, their approach to coaching. And so it's just reach out to me like, hey, look, I'm over from Australia. Um, I'm going to be in town on these dates. Like, can we maybe like catch up, train, like talk shit for a little bit? See if I can mm-hmm. like, you know, bolster some opportunities that way. Sort of like, again, like when we look at like powerlifting over in the US, it's got a lot more history to it than it does here, I would say. Um, of course. I mean, obviously, like there's part C where I'm like, I'm definitely going to go to like Texas and have like my cowboy time as well. Um, mm-hmm. And then I'm like, I, th- I think the other part of it as well, apart from the history, is also that there's just more people there. Well, I mean, so when well, you have so so when so when you have more people, yeah, you obviously then have more people that are interested in powerlifting, yeah. So then you have more people at that higher level that have influence upon the sport and how it's developed and and how coaching is potentially done. So you have you know, these multiple ways that people are saying this is a good way. And then you have the option of saying, I like this way, I like this way, I like this way, I like this way. And all of these guys have, you know, a reputable standing within the sport. When you come to a smaller country like Australia, for example, at that top level, there's just not that many people. Well, we don't even have 10% of the population. So the so the flow down effect yeah. isn't coming from a, a funnel of you know fifty coaches that are at X level. It's coming from two. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's like we're getting the same information kind of funneled down. Well, I think as well, like just looking at like the two countries from like a sports performance perspective as well. Like if you look at college, I mean, like even high school programs for their basketballers, for their football players. Like, it's insane. Whereas if you look at programs that we have here, like, it's, like, frankly, it's lacking severely. Yeah, big time. It's not even close. I mean, similarly, high school, like, high school football there is insane. freaking, like, NRL level here. Yeah. For high school kids. Yeah, like, even, like, when you look at, like, what contracts are worth, like, we look at, like, the highest paid sportsmen in or sports people in australia like you probably look at afl right and they might be on a million dollars a year and that's like yeah some of the some of the rugby players might get paid a bit yeah but like for someone to break a million dollars like they're not going to be on like five six ten million dollars a year whereas you go over to the us and like you've got guys who play like major league baseball nba and they're worth of like you know, between like 60 and a hundred million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you, I'm, I'm sorry. It, was that nine figures? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To, to throw the ball. Yeah. What? Like, it's <laughs> insane. So obviously I think like, and this is something that like, you know, Jordan sort of mentioned as well when he, we're prescripting is like, because like the people we are working with at the moment, like there's genuine consequences if we fuck up. Whereas like, for an SNC coach in Australia, it's like if you fuck up and like it's like, yeah, like it's it's still a fuck up. You still potentially have the the chance to impact someone's livelihood, but you're not putting a, a nine figure contract on the table. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty big time. I watched um, I watched a little bit of that level three, the content that they're dribbling out, and it looks so cool. Well, I'm registered for level two now, which I'm fucking pumped for. Oh yeah. Yeah. So when does that start? Are you in the the one that's starting soon? So I'm. I'm not quite sure because obviously like I signed up for like level one and then I said to Jordan, I'm like, obviously like I've done level one before I've done heaps of your stuff before. Like, like it was funny. I was talking to Phil earlier today and even he was like, he's like, dude, you could probably teach that course with your eyes closed. Level one. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. mm, maybe not with my eyes closed, but like, I think I could teach it pretty well. Um, yeah. But like I was, I spoke to Jordan. I was like, Hey, look, I really want to do level two. He's like, yep. Yeah, like I've got you on the list. Like, you know, such and such will reach out a little bit closer to the start date. So I don't know if I'll be doing, like level one and level two or how it's going to work. Um, you might be in, you might be in my level one class. Cause I just signed up for that and it starts next week on the 29th. Yeah. Well, I mean like that's the one that I'm, that I signed up to start with. Um, that was what I signed up for as part of the intensive though. So whether yeah. or not, uh, I end up doing that as well or whether I end up just doing the level two, I'm not sure how it's going to quite work yet. Because like I said to Jordan, I'm like, once I've done level two, it'll most likely be a next year plan, but I'm like, I want to get over to the States and do level three. Yeah, which they only take not many people. Like six or seven people. It's very, very, yeah. very like low amounts. But part of that is also just like, well, you're working with guys that are going to the combine. Yeah. Like it's not Dude, I'm so excited. I'm so excited just to do level one, hey? It's, I remember when I did level one, I was like, oh, wow, like, this is, like, at the time, I was like, it's a lot of stuff, obviously, like, I've learned from Jordan a bunch of times, like, I'm familiar, but to put it into, like, hey, this is, like, 16 weeks of learning, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this makes so much more sense now, and <laughs> it's so different. Yeah, I'm just excited. I've really wanted to do this for so long, so, and I got... I got gifted it as a surprise by M because she oh, was nice. sick of me. Like <laughs> she was sick of me sending her all of the posts and being like, "This looks really cool, huh?" So she just <laughs> she just signed me up. So shut me up. Like yeah, I again like obviously I have a lot of respect for Jordan and or Jordan and Jordan and what they've done with prescript. But even if like just purely from like a coaching perspective, I'm like, I still think it's probably one of the best decisions I've made for my career in terms of mm-hmm. like upskilling that I've done. Yeah. Did you get one-on-one coached by him? Jordan? Yeah. No. Oh, okay. there, there, was a, I... there was a few times like when he would come and visit where I'd be like, hey, look, can I book in a consult? Like I want to go over some stuff. And he's like, I'll just help you. <laughs> I'll just help you. Yeah. I looked, have you looked up his coaching? I, I looked up his coaching the other day. Yeah. You should look it up. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's pretty. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I guess level one it is then. <laughs> I, uh, show, you have to show me where you found it. Um, yeah, I'll, send, yeah. I'll send it to you because yeah. I was, I was like, M. If this, like, maybe I could do this to just, this could be a good option for me. And she's like, yeah, look it up. And I looked it up and I was like, oh, I'm just going to stick with doing my own stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I also kind of feel like, you know, if you're working with guys that are worth nearly half a billion dollars, 
your priority. Oh, don't get like don't get me wrong. It's uh, I guarantee you it would be worth it. It's just oh. not within my budget at the moment. Have you like? No, I've spoken to him on the internet, but not on no, oh. not, not in. No. Dude, when you speak to him in person, it's like a he is the and like, I don't know if this is just because he's Canadian, but it's like he is the friendliest fucking dude you'll ever meet. Like you and I, also, like we talk a lot about like people's character and like just being like a fucking amazing human. Jordan mm. epitomizes that. Like he is just yeah, the loveliest I, I already, dude. Yeah, I can feel that already. But simultaneously, he also makes you feel like an absolute fucking moron. He talk, he talks, <laughs> and you're like, what? I don't know words. <laughs> like, I, I would consider myself pretty good at what I do, and I would consider my like my skill set to be quite strong. If I was to, like compare the two, I would be like Jordan up here, me down here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm <laughs> Take your feet off. Take your shoes off so I can kiss your feet. Yeah. No, I don't like feet. Oh, don't you? No, they fucking piss me out. Yeah, not me. Uh, I'm a. I like feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm not like a weird foot guy, but like they don't freak me out. Oh, right. uh, well, I don't. It's fine. Like they don't freak me out. Like I, I'm not afraid of feet. I I actually give um, Emma foot massage every single night in the lounge. I've I've done the same. If if it's my partner or if it's like a coaching session that I'm in and I'm in like one of my like tears and spirals. Um, yeah. If someone's feet are like giving them grief, I'll be like, cool. I'm going to show you something. Bang. <laughs> and they'll be like, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like. I've had ex-partners where it's been like, they'll be like, oh, they'll sort of like, we'll be watching TV at night and they'll bring their leg up and like rest across my my legs and be like, well, oh, my foot's there. <laughs> I'm like, whatever. I guess. Like, I mean, it's one of the downfalls of when like your partners realize that you actually have qualifications in massage therapy and they're like, yeah, don't tell them that, dude. It works really well massive- sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But come on, like, uh, let me give you a back up. <laughs> yeah. I'm trained. <laughs> These guys know what they're doing. Yeah, it won't be seedy, I promise. I'm a professional. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah so... Um, fast. Did, you, did, you, did you see my front squats this morning? I did. They looked very good. You didn't like it? Just got to keep it a bit of suspense, that's all. <laughs> Did they look okay? Yeah, they look good. The only thing I would yeah, say, you just need a fucking, like, your slant board is too narrow. You need one that's a bit, like, wide. Yeah, no. No, I'm not. I'm buying squat shoes. Okay, cool. Because I was going to say, like, yeah. if you weren't going to, I was going to be, like, set, like, individual plates so you can actually yeah, the plates, but just buy squat shoes. That's, yeah, the plates, I was going to do the plates, but they're just a little bit uncomfortable. The slant board is more comfortable than the plates, but it is a little bit too narrow for what I'm looking for. But yeah. I do have squat shoes. They're coming this week. Nice. We I got the wrong layers. Nice. The only thing I would be a little bit like just mindful of is obviously like the heel size in a, in some of the weightlifting shoes can be different. Yeah, I got the 20. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's why I went with the wrong layers because they're 20. Yeah. Um, which is the... 
on the larger side of um, heel. And because I used them before, I had I had my buddies for a good eight months while he wasn't training because he tore his quad um, and I used them and they were just super comfortable. I really liked them for – I never front squatted in them, but I safety squatted in them and they were great. I'll be really curious to see how you go with like front squatting in weightlifting shoes versus like just off a slant board. Yeah, I think I'll be able to get into a better position, but mm-hmm. just in terms of like my hip control, um, my upper back, and keeping control of the entire movement today felt significantly better than it has in previous weeks. One thing I'm going to be really curious to see over the next like 18 months to three years in the powerlifting scene in Australia is like if I go back back to like 2015, 2016, everyone was squatting in weightlifting shoes. Like everyone had like the Addy Powers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everyone had like Romelaos. Everyone had like whatever they could get their hands on. And obviously now at the moment, like the, the massive rave is like, oh, well, everyone squats in, in flats. Flats. I yeah. wonder if we're going to see it come back full circle and have people go, oh, well, maybe there is some utility in squatting in heels whether we see like a like a resurgence of the weightlifting shoe in powerlifting. Yeah, I I think everything kind of works in cycles. And you know what? Obviously, there is utility. You Mm -hmm. and I know that there's utility in it. I I don't think it's for everyone, but also don't think it's for no one. If that makes sense. I would have a lot more. Again, like not that I like you, you know me. Like I don't work in absolutes. I would probably say though, like if you're squatting in wraps, there's probably more benefits to squatting in heels. Yeah, for for a lot of people, I would agree. Yeah, yeah, for a lot of people, I would agree. I think for some reason they just got a really bad rap. I don't know. Was there like was there someone that said that they're shit or something? Because it's it seems like you know I literally have conversations with people where I'm like. And it's not even for a comp squat. It will be for things like a safety bar squat or, you know, anything that's like anterior loaded. And I'll be like, I want you to do this with a heel elevation. Mm. And they're like, no, I don't want to rely on that. I'm like, fuck do you mean rely on that? Like you're not relying on it. It's going to make it better for you. It's not, it's not, it's not a, it's not like you're not a band-aiding a problem. This is going to make this movement more effective. That's, I feel like one of the big things that really came out in the last probably five years or so is like there was a big thing saying, oh, well, you know, you shouldn't have to rely on a heel to squat to depth. You should be able to just control your pelvis better and you'll get into a better position. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's good in theory, but I'm like, the reality is sometimes people just work better with a weightlifting shoe than they do a flat. Like I'm, I'm pretty lucky. I can do both. Mm-hmm. Like, I just feel uh, like, especially if I'm squatting in wraps, I'm like, I feel like a powerhouse in weightlifting shoes. Yeah. I haven't really done enough heavy, like, sleeve work. The last time I really pushed my sleeve squat, I did all of that in heels. But I feel like, again, like, this is where, like, I'm like a big advocate of, like, you know, a sleeve squat is different to a, um, a wrap squat in the mechanics, obviously, because you've got two and a half meters of fabric around your knee trying to prevent you from bending your knee. Like, it mm-hmm. changes 
how you need to move. Not yep. much, but enough that it's like, there's a difference. Yep. Um, so like if I look at my squat in sleeves versus like my squat in wraps, night and fucking day difference. Yeah, I've never done a wrapped squat in heels, to be honest. But, you know, I've told you that I'm going to try squatting, um, comp squatting in heels. Mm -hmm. And part of the – there's a few reasons why I want to do that. But part of the reason is is because when I was in prep for states – I had two squat two squat exposures during the week. Mm-hmm. One of them was my wrapped comp squat, and one of them was a sleeved safety bar squat. Mm-hmm. And it was it was kind of it was it was definitely far too close to competition to change what I was doing, but it got to the point where I felt so comfortable with the heel and how I was squatting, that I got the sleeved safety bar squat with my the sleeves that I have are very loose yeah. sleeves. I got that up to a set of 220 for six. That's not fucking bad, dude. I know. And literally, like, it's not like I squat fucking 400 in, in wraps, you know? Like, it's not that far from my wrapped low bar. Hmm. So I was like, okay, maybe this is a good position for me. This, uh, and I was toying with the idea of changing or giving it a shot, but it was I just didn't have enough time, and I didn't want to waste a session at that point it, because it was pretty close. I would have done it. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't. I didn't, yeah. and I, I'm I'm okay that I didn't because yeah. I've got time now to play with it. But yeah, yeah, I did that, and actually, it wasn't even one set. I did three sets of six at two twenty. And I was like, okay. Like, this I is... might be onto something here. Yeah, I was like, this feels pretty good. What What's your best set of six in wraps? I've never done a set of six in wraps. What's the most reps ever. that you've done in wraps? Two. <laughs> and what did you hit for two? 270. Yeah, see, those numbers aren't too far off, like adding up. Yeah, I know, that's what I mean. Yeah. I'll be really curious to see once your squat shoes arrive, yeah. how things start to align. I'll be very, very curious to watch that progression. Yeah. And I don't think that that's, I, I don't think that's the best double that I could have done. That mm-hmm. was, that's just the highest double that I've done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that was by far my best set of safety bar squats and it was done with heels and it was smooth. Nice. Walked out at World Gym on grass. Great conditions. With a with a safety squat bar with police tape wrapped around it to hold the oh. pad on. <laughs> Do you remember that? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I did it on that bar. Dude, I'm surprised that I bar think, could hold 220. I think it was a, like... Aussie fitness. So like it was just not fantastic. From memory, it's like a um oh, I've gone blank on what there's a, a 
an online brand that was doing like those safety bars for like 200 bucks for ages. Yeah, it's, it was. They're just trash. Yeah, and it was like taped up. They've got a better one now, but yeah. Anyway. How's your training go this week? Uh, so I kind of had like a bit of a pivot. So obviously like I had my uh, yeet bench session on Monday um, mm-hmm. where I hurried my progression up a little bit. <laughs> um, so obviously like for that block, I was supposed to finish on sets of six at 132 and I end up at 140 for a set of six, which was nice because that's the first time I've broken um, five reps on bench ever, yep. which was awesome. Um, and then I pushed my squats a little bit more as well. Um, so I was meant to squat like 140 and I ended up squatting like 160 for a pause set of five on the safety bar. Yeah. Um, and that didn't feel too bad. Like it was just like, oh, I just haven't barbell squatted much recently. So I'm like, I kind of felt that, but it just felt like a little bit disjointed and disconnected, but I'm like, that's, that's just a exposure aspect. Um, yep. And then on... Because you said that the pauses felt a lot better than without pauses. Do you think that's just because it, it was slowed down a little bit? Uh, <laughs> slowed down a little bit, yeah. But also just because, like, the back offset was, like, eight reps. And that yeah, okay. just was gross. <laughs> that is gross. Um. But like, yeah, when I, and then I deadlifted on Saturday, I think it was. And that was the first time like I pulled off the floor with a barbell from since I had my back. Nice. Yeah. How'd that go? Good? It was very conservative. Like it was 170 for eight. Yeah. Um, but again, depending on how, how it all sort of like comes together over the next few weeks, I'm like, I have a plan of how stupid I would like to be. 300. <laughs> For eight. <laughs> um, no, so like, like bench today, it was like one, 135 for four. I'm like, cool. Like that feels like a pretty good starting point for this block. Um, and then obviously like over the next four weeks, I want to go like 135, 140, 145, 150, which is like an equal PB but I feel like puts me in a very good position to be on track for a 170 bench. Yep. Um, my deads, if all goes to plan, would be the 170 that I did on the weekend, 190 this week, 210 the following week, and then like potentially like 227, maybe 230. I feel like 227 would be nice to be like, oh, well, it's 500 pounds for eight reps. Um, that would be cool. Yeah, so like where do I go, like 227, or if I just go 230, we'll, like, we'll kind of see. Um, I'm going to go back to high bar squats this week. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll probably start at about 170 for eight, I imagine somewhere around there. Nice. Um, but again, like I kind of, I'm considering potentially like dropping my reps on my high bar to try and focus on giving my body a little bit more exposure to load through the squat pattern. That's just the one pattern that for a while now I just haven't felt as confident with. I think part of it is a lack of exposure to load. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also the the hard thing where I go squatting heavy without spots, without 
like a good crew around you can be a little bit challenging at times. Yeah, it can, but you've got you have access to a mono there, don't yeah. you, with straps? Yeah. But let's just just set the straps. Oh, I do, but it's just one of the things where I go, I know for me mentally, even if it's literally yeah. just like someone standing behind me, like the confidence boost that gives me is huge. Yeah, of course, especially when you have you you have like a little niggle there or a previous injury there yeah. that you know in reality could something could happen at any moment in any set. But if you have something that's already there, that's always going to be a little bit in the back of your mind. Yeah, um, but, but you don't you don't have to go like heavy heavy. Like you could do like but you could do I something have to like that. myself through strength. <laughs> <laughs> you could do like a top set of like you could do a top set and some back down sets. Yeah, which is probably what I'm gonna do, and I'm like, I sit there, I'm like, oh, like I would like this to kind of like be my starting point for week one. I'm also quite uh, aware enough that it's like where I want to start versus where I need to start. I know probably have to be two different things. So like, mm-hmm. even if I was like, oh, well, I would have started like 140 for a set of eight. Like, I know that's not a big squat, but it's like if that's just where I have to start for the sake of setting myself up to end up where I want to end up, it's like cool. That's just where I'll start. Yeah, I kind of like, I mean, you could do just like a, even just drop your reps a little bit mm. from eight to like five, five. Yeah. and you, and you could still do like a top set back down and just do like a top set of five as like a place marker. Okay. Let's just push it a little bit, push it a little bit more and then still do your back downs at five with reduced load and just get some work in. What I kind of have in mind is obviously my bench top sets four reps. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of thinking of like, I might go bench and squats like a four, maybe five top set. And then have mm-hmm. like my deadlifts and my secondary bench day as like more volume, something like eight to tens. Yeah. Just set a really good baseline there. Um, but on my, I haven't worked out if I'm going to do like squat and squat accessory and then deadlift, deadlift accessory, or if I'm going to go squat, switch it up, dead accessory, dead squat accessory. But my mm-hmm. accessory for my squat for this phase is absolutely going to be front squats. Your accessory for your squat is going to be a front squat. Yeah. Yeah. That's literally exactly what I'm going to do for my next block. Yeah. Like I just, I just think front squats are just the best. Like, Again, like, I know you like, oh, I don't want to talk about like my my training goals or the competition goals, which is fine. But like for me, it's like I want a 180 front squat. Yeah, I, I want a huge front squat too. Like I paused front squat at 170 back in like 2021, I think it was. Mm, nice. And that was like fucking real nice. Like I spoke to like some friends of mine that are weightlifters and they're like, dude, for like someone who's not a weightlifter, that's a really nice front squat. I'm like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm a weightlifter at heart. Well, I mean, like I came up through across the gym, so I did a little bit of weightlifting back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, so I think, yeah, front squats are definitely going to be my accessory too. I like that. So high bar and front squats as your two front, as your two squats. Well, I say high bar, but I'm like, if things are feeling, like I haven't low bar squatted in forever. It might just migrate down a little bit. Maybe, but like I, <laughs> yeah. I sort of like I'll I'll show you afterwards like 
where my low bar actually is, it's a pretty high low bar. So yeah, like, it's not it's not low low. Yeah, so like if I drop off to like you know a, like a claw grip sort of thing with the pinkies off, that might just be enough for me to get that extra inch that I need to just let to sit down that smidge more. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, then it might be a matter of like, all right, off we go. Cool. Yeah. Comp at the end of the year. Love it. Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll do the strength try bomb with you. Yeah, do it. I'll, I'll just real. message Tommy and be like, bro, I'm coming. I don't care if it's sold out. I'm coming. <laughs> yeah, guest lifter. Oh, that'd be a fucking disaster. <laughs> <laughs> you should do it. You, that would actually be super fun. Both um, both M and I are kind of aiming towards that one. So make it a family affair. We'll, uh, we'll see how how things go over the next couple of months. We'll see how the body's holding up. And I might just message Tommy and be like, look, I don't even need to do it like officially. Like I'll just come in and I'll do like bench only and like I'll do demo just only, but like with I'll just do it with straps. <laughs> like it's fine. Like I'm not, so, I'm not official here. It's exhibition. Ha- have you been to a comp there before? No, I I, I like I've no. known Tommy pretty much since he opened, and I still haven't visited because I'm just the worst person in the world. <laughs> I'm telling you, they run such good comps, man. Yeah. The comps at, at that gym are just. Like that, and that's the reason we want to do it is because we've been to a few there last year, and every single time it's just super fun, super well run, yeah, packed out, huge crowd. It's just great, like everything about it's done really well. So, because I remember, like, I went up to Brisbane last year for APL Naps, and I ended up staying with like Chris and his partner, like, because mm-hmm. I was like, I'm flying up, I'm like, I, I don't have accommodation booked. Oh, yeah, you put that on your story. I remember that. Yeah, I'm like, does anyone have, like, a couch that I can crash on? And then, like, I was talking to Chris, and I was like, hey, dude, I'm like, where are you guys staying? And he's like, do we like 10 minutes from the venue? Why is that? I'm like, I am like, I have a huge favor to ask. I'm like, is there <laughs> any chance that I can, like, sleep on your floor? I'm like, I have <laughs> one client in the morning on, like, the Friday or whatever it was, or the Saturday, or what, I can't remember which day she was on, but, like, like, I have one client in the morning, I just need to find the night before, coach her, and then I'm going to be on a flight that afternoon. And he was like, oh, yeah, dude, of course. So I met up with them. Like, we would have got, like, ice cream and shit as soon as I got there. I was like, yeah, this is, this is good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Chris is a champion. Yeah, fucking awesome bloke. Yeah, such a good dude. And it's good to see him working around some of his issues at the moment yeah. too and getting back into it. I'm excited to see him healthy again and – yeah, me too, man. I remember, like, back when he, I think it was what, was it Pro Roll last year? And he put up some, like, big numbers. Yeah, but he wasn't even healthy then. No. But that's why I'm, like, like I'm excited. If he can get, like, proper healthy and really mm-hmm. get back into the swing of things and, like, put up, like, a pretty gnarly total, it'll be very interesting. I mean, like, I'm, I'm just, I'm really curious to see who comes through this year at Pro Raw and who is, like, going to be contenders in each weight class. I don't I don't think he's competing at Pro Raw. Well, um, I don't think he is either because I'm, I'm... I think he will compete later in the year, though. Yeah. I think he was saying potentially um, one of those other big comps um, later in the year. Like Race Zero Pro Raw. Or, um, yeah. Zero Pro or the, um, the other one. The, the big one, the WRPF one. Battlegrounds. 
No. Um, By Nightmare on Mulder Street. Mo- Mulder Street, yeah. yeah. I don't I don't know. That was the last conversation I had, but that that's obviously going to be dependent on injury and stuff. But yeah. The one, there is going to be some pro roll this year is going to be pretty good. Because Mitch is going to be some good battles, I think. Mitch is going back down in the 110s, isn't he? Yeah, I well, I think based on like what he's posting and stuff, and mm. he's pretty light, so I'm assuming I'm assuming that means he's going to down to one tens. Max will be in the one tens. That'll be a good battle because uh, they're hitting numbers that are you know fairly similar to each other. Apologies. That's right. I was just cut that out. Yeah, my internet just like dropped out for like thirty seconds. Yeah, that's how I cut that out. That's easy. That's why I didn't stop the yep. thing. Um, yeah. So um, him and Max will be in the one tens, which should be a really good battle because they're hitting f- um, fairly similar numbers at the moment. Yeah. In, in training, and then. I think there's some. I think there'll be a pretty good battle in the big boys too. Who's competing in the heavies? Um, we've. I'm pretty sure Vassa is. Yeah. But she hasn't competed in a while, which would be good to see. Hmm. Um. There's a few others, but I can't remember off the top of my head. Pa- I think Pasha was going to do it as well. Yeah. Uh, if his injury allows him to. Uh, Was uh, Joseph going to do it? Probably. I mean, knowing Joe, like, <laughs> he'll probably be like two weeks. I'd be like, ah, fuck it, let's do it. Yeah, so, he, I mean... He might, like, I, I, I don't know, to be honest. I mean, even just those three alone would be a pretty good a pretty good spectacle. Yeah. Um. Yeah, should be fun. It'll be very good. Uh, what what was the topics that we had lined up for today? Do you know what? Actually, before we do this, I had someone DM me this week, yeah, and say, "I just listened to the podcast and again, and I loved it." An wow. idea that <laughs> an idea that I had was when you transition from just like general shit talk to actually move on to your topic, you should like give yourselves a plug and like plug your coaching and let people know that you're actually a coach and that could be like the the marker towards going to um into the topic and i was right back i was like nah man we hate selling our services i was like was, was that a, <laughs> a, a pun on my last name a pun on your last name yeah because like it was the marker, marker. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was, I, back and I was like uh we don't really like talking about that <laughs> but it's a good suggestion I mean, but I also would imagine that, like, anyone that actually listens to us probably knows that we're coaches. Yeah. I mean, like, if there, there may be a market that doesn't know that we're coaches, but I also don't really want to use this platform to be like, hey, I'm a coach. 
Let me get you strong and give me the monies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We are coaches, but we're, that's the last time we're going to tell you. So if you yes. forget, that's on you. There'll be an East, when we're at like 100 <laughs> episodes, there'll be a, hey, go through our episodes and find out where we say that we're coaches and you'll get a free month of training. <laughs> yeah. It's in episode, <laughs> in episode five. No, we're not going to tell them. That's, that's the fun. They have to go through all of our episodes and find it. Happy listening. Fucking rookies. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. What were uh, the topics that we wanted to talk about today? I am having a squeeze through. It's so sore. Well, stop sucking so much dick, man. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Never in a million years. Uh, la, 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 la. Where are we? Where are we? Fuck, dude. We send each other so much shit. Yeah, ah, there we go. So, uh, do we want to do the cues versus drills aspect first, or do we want to yeah. do movement standards first? Yeah, cues versus drills. That's a good one because I think that applies to. I think that's a really good one, actually. All right, cool. So, obviously, like everyone knows what coaching cues are or cueing is in coaching. It's just like you know, giving you little tips to help you perform the movement better i guess is probably a really good layman's way of saying it think about well, this think about this while you're lifting well, like if you had to think of three like off the top of your head what would you say the three are oh three of like that come to mind straight away is like bend the bar or <laughs> spread the floor yep or what's the other what's another one um <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> fuck man. Whoever's the chest up one, that's the bane of my existence, man. Yep. That cue, I swear to God, like whoever said that needs to be fucking punched so hard in the dick. <laughs> like, seriously, like fucking hell, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah good times because like what happens what happens generally when you yell chest up at someone during a squat they fucking flare the shit out of their ribs and they lose that pelvis the rib pelvis position yeah which is like probably the it's probably the worst yeah it's probably the worst thing that you could do yeah <laughs> and just and you know, like it's not the it's not the lifter's fault because when you like everyone on the planet knows that cue and everyone's heard it. Keep your chest. The only like little caveat that I'm gonna put in here is I have been fucking guilty of that cue. Oh, of course, we've all been guilty of it. Like I so and this is also I think a, like a nice little segue. I had a client that for ages like. Like he would like he would come down and he would do like that in the hole. Like he would just lose his torso position because he's trying to stay like too upright. Because he was taking advice off in, off Instagram and I wanted to like punch him in the throat. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is a really interesting thing. Is like, yeah, sure, there may have been drills that I could have given him, but I actually found a cue that worked really really well for him, which got me what I wanted from him. But wasn't chest up 
Now, his leverages were interesting, but the cue that I would give him was keep your torso long. Yeah, okay. I like that. And that just, like, nailed what I wanted every bloody time without him doing a massive flare. It was just sort of like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna stand proud. Yeah, this is in nice and tight, and then you could actually drive into the bar in the bottom of the score. Yeah, so I, I do use cues here and there. Yep. Um, but generally, generally it's not my first go-to, um, because I find that there's there's so much there's huge differences in how people interpret language. Um, yep. and what's, what's very, very clear to me to someone else might just make no sense on the planet. And this was, this was really actually highlighted the most to me when I was actually training face to face and I was training M's mum. Mm-hmm. Right. And we were doing a squat and yep. I, I said, I want you to spread the floor right? I want you to think about spreading the floor. Like I want you to just tear it apart with your feet. And like, obviously when I say that, I know exactly what I mean. I mean, externally rotate the femurs, create that torque through the hip and that travel down through the feet, blah, blah, blah. Right. That's going to get the knees tracking, external rotation, fighting against internal rotation, stability of the pelvis. Beautiful. We're rolling. Do you know what she did? What's she did the exact fucking opposite thing that I wanted her to do. She put her knees together as close as she possibly could to where they were touching and then tried to push her feet apart. Like she was like pushing the floor apart. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I was like, I literally like watched it happen and I was like, wow, I'm not even mad at that because you did exactly what I said. You just did it a different way. This is the part of coaching that I find incredibly interesting. Mm. It's like, so do you know who Craig Harper is by any chance? No, I don't. Yeah. Um, I remember like, so Craig does a lot of like, you know, speaking and that sort of stuff. He like he has a good podcast as well. He has some pretty cool guests on. Um, and I remember like listening to him speak one time. He goes, you know, I could present a topic in a room of a hundred people. And I could say, if I look at the sky, I see the color blue. And there are going to be 100 different interpretations of that statement based on their own personal experience. Mm-hmm. And this is where like, I find also like if we're talking cues versus drills, one point that I always like to include, like if I'm going to give someone a cue before they even get under the bar, I'm like, Hey, if I tell you to do this, what do you think I'm asking you to do? Show mm-hmm. me. Yep. Cause I was like, if we get under load and we're trying to cue under load, like <sighs> that's not really a good time. Sometimes you can do it depending on what the relative load is. But for the most part, if I get someone and I'm like, hey, look, this is what I want you to do. Can you just like imagine you're like holding a, a bar out over your chest like you're about to bench and can you show me what you think I want you to do? 
or we might go to like an empty bench on the other side of the gym and be like, hey, look, on an empty bar, show me what you think I'm asking you to do. Make sure we're on the same page. Yep. And then obviously it's like, cool, you know what I'm asking you to do. So when I cue this, this is what I'm asking for. Don't get yep. confused if you think I'm asking for something else. This is exactly what you just did now. It's exactly what I'm asking for. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's exactly how I would do it as well. So the way I kind of like to describe that or put that into practice is I might give someone a drill yep. that puts them in the position I want or gets them to do the thing I want, feel the thing that I want them to feel. Mm-hmm. And then I say, feel that feeling. When I say brace, that's what I want you to feel. When I say spread the floor, that's what I want you to feel at your hips. And they're like, oh, cool, okay. And then go back to the actual main movement and then I'm like, okay, brace. And they're like, oh, okay, I remember what that feels like. I'll I'll replicate that again. Yeah, and I think this is where like if we're looking at cues versus drill, I'm very much in the thing of like both. Yeah, it's like the taco girl, right? Like, we can have both. <laughs> yeah, but I think having, and that's, that's exactly why I wanted this topic is I, I think having both is a super valuable approach depending on on how you utilize it. And I think you and I, obviously, I would, I'm obviously making a massive assumption here, but obviously based on conversations we've had, I feel like we're going to agree anyway. I feel like if you're going to go, no, cues are the best option. Drills are fucking useless. I feel like if someone's so dogmatic and being like, this is the only way to do it, this is the only way to skin a cat, it's like, no, 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 no. Like the more tools that you have in your tool tool belt, the more that you can chop and change the tool based on the situation, based on the client. Like you might have a client who's, who's really tactile and they're like, I need to feel what I need to do here so that I can physically go, yes, I'm aware of what I need to do here or I can now go and do it regardless of what setting I'm in. Mm -hmm. There may be someone that's like, I need to, I need you to explain it to me so that I can then like contextualize and um, like divulge in my brain how that makes sense to me using my own thought process and language process and then I can then spit out what you're asking me to do based on you asking, hey, can you show me what you think I'm asking for? Yeah. And then you're going to have the people that will be like, can you just show me? And then yeah. I'm going to have a go and I'm going to need to fuck it up like two or three times before I get it right. And when I get it right, tell me, and then I'll just keep doing that. Yeah. It's like, you know, people are either going to obviously be like visual, like kinesthetic or like audio learners. Mm-hmm. Same thing applies in coaching. Like you get some people that will just like, they'll be able to watch you do it and go, yep, I can do that. You yep. get some people that like need to intellectualize it and they need to understand the joint mechanics, the muscle functions and actions, how the ligaments and tendons are working and doing their job in the process of the movement. And you're like, no, 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 no. Like shushy this down. <laughs> Make you this allowed you. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, that, that is the technical term for thinking less. <laughs> oh, that could be the best thing that's ever happened in my life. And the best part is I've said that in the coaching session more than once. <laughs> Shushy this idiotty, make you this allowed you. Yeah. Oh. oh, that's epic. Um, 
I'll make a good little snippet of tonight. <laughs> also think things like, um, yeah, I'm going to get crucified for this and I know it, but I also think, I also think in some situations, the use of things like visual feedback, like mirrors can be super helpful. I agree. Um, and I know people are going to be like, you can't squat and deadlift in front of a mirror because there's no mirror at comp. Yeah, I get that. But when someone's like learning, learning how to do something, I think it's a really good visual feedback. I think you could probably then move. So then you can say like, see how this is happening here. We want it to, we want this instead. And they're like, oh, cool. Yes, I can see that. Like right now I can see what's happening. That's great. And then we can move from there to maybe like, recording it and watching it after the fact and being like how did rep one feel oh rep one felt good look oh rep one felt good and rep two felt shit let's have a look at the difference between what happened on rep one and rep two and then they can start to retrospectively think about what felt good and what didn't feel good and then see on the screen the only caveat i'm going to give to that and this is very much a i have a story behind it is make sure that, like, if you're squatting in the squat rack, make sure that the squat rack is square to the mirrors. <laughs> so there's a gym <laughs> I worked at where the squat rack was here, but, like, the relative, the mirrors were on, like, an angle compared to the squat rack. So I had clients that were, like, facing the mirrors, and they're like, oh, I don't look square here. So they would then, like, twist their bodies to look square, and they're like, oh, now I'm square. In, like, like your clients are squatting with, like, a 45-degree torso. Literally, I had, I think I had like seven or eight clients in about three weeks all start complaining of hip pain on the one side. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, and then I, I was looking at it one day and I'm like, I was looking, I'm like, mm. I'm like, I don't know if I'm having like a bit of a tism right now, but I literally like went and got a tape measure from home and I measured off the wall and I'm like, the rack's 20 mil out. I'm like, so all of my clients have been squatting, trying to adjust for a 20 mil variance. So then like one day I was like, I'm just going to turn the squat rack around. So I literally turned around facing away from the mirror. And then in a week, hip pain was gone for every single one of them. And they're like, why is my hip pain gone? I'm like, because you're not looking adjusting. at the mirror and adjusting off center because it looks centered. I'm like, you're now going off feel Mm -hmm. which three weeks is really not going to like change a huge amount in the grand scheme of things. But it's like, you're now back to where you should be. Yeah. And I think going off feels definitely the preference for well, pretty much everyone when you get to that point. But I'm just saying like starting out, I think it can be a really good visual tool to help people learn. Absolutely. You can like think about it. Like when you're first like learning to drive or when you're like, even if you go back further, when you're learning your left and rights, Oh, yeah. this one makes an L. That's my left. Yep. But how many people do you still see? They're like, Wiff. this one. Yeah. yeah. Like, and yeah. that's still visual. Yeah, 100%. I think we can also probably throw um, constraint based coaching into this conversation because I think it very much fits. Do you want to define what you mean by that? Yeah. So it's, I guess, like, Oh, defining. I'm not really good at definitions, but 
putting putting limiters or putting giving people exercise prescription that will put them in the positions that you want them in instead mm-hmm. of just telling them to to be in that position so yeah. for an example i might use to explain it would be instead of instead of me giving someone um a a split squat and saying i want you to just work really hard to keep to keep an upright torso i might program them a front foot elevation with a goblet a goblet load loading scheme where both of those the front foot elevation and the goblet loading the anterior loading are both center of mass constraints which would put you in a more upright torso position or promote a more upright torso position, which is what I would be looking for mm-hmm. instead of just saying, keep your torso upright. Yeah. Like I think for me, like another one similar to that, like I'm wanting someone to say, run some good mornings. And I'm like, I want you to keep a nice neutral compressed position through your ribs and pelvis as you hinge. That's probably where I'm going to be like, hey, here's a Zercher variation. I'm going to teach you what that compression feels like because you're going to be here mm-hmm. before I make you do this with a bar on your back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's literally just putting someone into the position that you want them in because they have almost no other option other than to do what you want them to do. Yeah. Yeah, and so we would refer to that as constraint. I would refer to that as constraint-based coaching. Yeah. And I really like it. I think it's a super valuable tool. Agreed. Do you use that much? Uh, I do a lot, but I didn't have like a name for it. I was just like, how can I give someone a variation of the exercise that I want them to do that's not going to have them going to positions that I don't want them to go into? Yeah, which is exactly what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's what but I like, call it, I guess, because you're like, like putting constraints on, on the movement to yeah, make it. Like, Work I, the way you I didn't have a name for it. I was just like, did I make that name up? You may have. You may have just fucking like, like I think we should try. Well, you should trademark that. I might. I might have made that up. If I have made that up, fuck yeah. You fucking heard it here first on Bars Loaded, you motherfuckers. If you've never heard it before, you've heard it here first. That's what I've named it. That's what <laughs> yeah. I've. Yeah, that's what it is. I'm. I might even just fucking claim it. I'm, oh, I'm claiming. Just it. do it. Just do it. It's mine. Because like, yeah. Like, I, I would do that a lot of the time, but like what I would do is like, if I wrote a program for someone, I would like, again, this is like just part of how, how my brain will explain it. I'll write down like, this is what I'm, this is why I'm giving you this variation. This is the outcome I'm after. This is what we're going to be doing in order to give you that outcome. So again, if I'm using like a, a safety, like sorry, a good morning as an example, the amount of times that people are like, oh, well, I'll just, you know, I'll just put a bar on my back and I'll just hinge at the hips and, and you know, hinge forward. It's like, yeah, but your bloody, your back turns into like a banana when you do that because you're trying to fight against that weight on your back that's trying to push you down. I want you to hold here, not go here and not go here. But I'm going to get you to go here with something holding you here. So you're still kind of going to do a little bit of what you do but not so excessively that it takes you so far out of your position. Mm-hmm. Again, constraint-based coaching, I, I quite like that. Yeah, I like it too. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. 
and I find it works really well. I use it quite a lot. Yeah. Uh, it's one of my preferred methods of, of getting people um, into the positions that I want them in. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the four, and then it kind of depends on who the client is, whether or not I'll even explain what I'm doing or not. Some people yeah. I just don't even tell them because one, they don't care or they're not interested or they won't understand or they don't want to understand. Yeah. Some people I'll be like, so when you did that, did you feel this? And they'll say, yeah. And I'll be like, cool. I want you to feel that now when you do this deadlift. Mm -hmm. I want you to keep that torso position when you do this squat. And they'll be like, cool, I can do that. Yeah. So it reinforces those again. You can then attach a cue to that, and then that becomes what that cue means to them, and there's no um, confusion in conversation. Yeah. Oh, was that Mav? No. Oh. No. I reckon if I was to make an assessment as to what that was, I reckon Mav and Harper were probably playing. And Mav won. Well, he always wins, but <laughs> they do this thing where like Mav will have like a cheapy like cheeky nip at her like one of her front legs, and sometimes he gets it. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes he gets it. Oh, nice. Like his play nips. Like I mean, he's a forty-six kilo German Shepherd with big fucking teeth. Yeah, he's a big boy. Like even when like I rough him up and stuff, he'll put his whole mouth like around my forearm, and I'm like, if he wasn't my dog. And I didn't have the level of trust in him that I do. I would be terrified. Oh yeah, I mean, it's like, ju- it goes around you like I I don't have like skinny bitch forearms, but like his whole mouth goes around, and there's like the amount of pressure I've got in there that you can kind of see is about the same amount of pressure that his mouth is just like I could snap this if I wanted to. I'm like, okay, <laughs> yeah, he could too. He's a big boy. Yeah, uh, we were looking at German Shepherds before we got Enzo. Like, I'm obviously like we're going on a bit of tangent here as we do, but like I'm, I'm probably going to be. I mean, Mav will be ten in March. Mm-hmm. Um, when he eventually does cross the Rainbow Bridge, like I reckon I'll probably I'll go Douglas for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when I eventually do, like, if I eventually do settle down, um. I honestly think like German Shepherds are probably the only dog that I'll ever have. Yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty cool. But I yeah. feel that way about um, about pocket bullies now too. Mm. That they'll be the only dog that we own from now from now on out. Yeah, they're um, they're pretty special too. Special personalities, that's for sure. Yeah, like We've... I've you know I've you know met a bunch of German Shepherds throughout my time, and like I've always just had a real like affinity for the breed mm. i think they're just really special animals um and especially if i kind of like reflect on some of the interactions where mav has literally been the anchor point to get me through mm-hmm. um you know when they say that like a dog is man's best friend like i'm like uh, mav doesn't even like that's a it's an insult to what he is to me. Oh yeah, they're definitely more than best friends. Yeah. 
Yeah, our boys are definitely part of. They're like our children. Yeah. So, is there anything that you wanted to add to that topic? No, I, I think we kind of like covered it. Like you know, depending on the client is going to depend on which serves a better purpose. But they mm-hmm. both have a very valuable um, application in conveying what you want. Yeah, I agree. I think I would probably just add f- for anyone that's listening if anyone at all listens to us ramble, um, if you're out there in the universe listening, I would just say if you are finding that you're not understanding what your coach is saying or what what's required of you in certain positions or certain movements, there are other ways. So just communicate and just say, like, I'm not understanding what you say when you say this or that. and whether your coach is one of us or someone else, there are ways that coaches can then attach positions to those cues to make you understand better. If you're more of a visual learner, they'll be able to help you out with that. If you need to be put into a position to attach a cue to it, they can help you with that. But there are more ways than just the words. So sometimes as coaches, I know it's easy for us to be like, I want you to stop going into so much extension and stack your ribs over your pelvis and do this. And then as clients, people are like, huh, what the fuck is a rib? Like it's <laughs> the, like I find that, and I, I was actually thinking about this today, like regardless of whether it's coaching cues, whether it's like you're going to a course and you're learning things, it's all well and good to take the information, but it's like learning how to apply it. The application of, of knowledge is, is where the secret is like, you can have all the knowledge in the world, but if you don't know how to apply it to the situation, like you're, you're pissing uphill. Um, yeah. Like I, again, like I'll use a, a personal example here. Like I had a coach a while back that would cue me the same shit week in, week out for my bench. And I'm like, dude, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't like, I understand in theory what you're asking me to do, but how to actually apply that. I'm like, I don't understand. I'm like, it's just not clicking. And he's like, just do this harder. I'm like, <sighs> I don't understand what to do. I can't do it harder. Yeah. Like, do you, want, do, do you want me to misunderstand you even more? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, not doing it to me out of our language. <laughs> no, do more of it. I don't know yeah. what the fuck it is. But, like, I think this is where, whether it is, like a client relationship with the coach or whether it is like an upskilling, like coach to coach. If someone's explaining a concept to you and you're like, cool, like I think I understand in theory, but I don't know how to apply it. There's more, like there's more explanation. There's more learning. There's more guidance that is required. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I think, I think being in a position where you're not scared to ask for more clarification is really, really important. And as coaches, if someone's asking for more clarity, fucking give it to them. Of course. And yeah, yeah, definitely. And don't just repeat the same thing over and over again because it's not going to make sense. Just saying it more isn't going to make more sense. No. It's like when you're like, oh, I'm not going to use that example. It's just pretty fucking <laughs> But uh, yeah, I think we we all know what, what, what we're saying here is just like, as a client, if you're not understanding, 
a cue or a drill or anything to do with what's being asked of you, just make that known. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's what coaching is. It's a big part of its communication. And for the coaches listening, if your client's asking for more clarification, don't just repeat the same fucking shit that you said the first time because they didn't understand it. They're not going to understand it just because you said it twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Oh. <laughs> I've been guilty of that in the past, though, not even in coaching, just in, like, relationships where yeah. you're, like, having a disagreement. And you just keep saying the same thing over and over again. And then and you're you like start yelling more, and yeah, more. <laughs> of, of the same thing. Same you're like, why are they not listening to me? Like, no, they are. They're just not hearing what you're saying. So maybe just like give them more information so that they can understand it better. Give them. Yeah. A, they're not understanding because they're, they're not hearing what you're saying. They're not understanding it because they're fucking idiots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's not. No, not that's always. Not what we're saying, guys. <laughs> we love you. We love you, all five listeners. <laughs> Our listeners have grown every week. Have they? Yeah, I've been keeping nice. a little track of it. And it's like it's growing every week. So beautiful. We appreciate. We need. You know what we need to do? We need to name our listeners. Something that's really fun that we could we could fucking do like on like Spotify and stuff. Do we have subscribers yet? I don't know, but if you listen, subscribe and give us a rating because it really does help. What we could try and do is like you know when like I mean I don't have it on here, but when you um when like you donate blood or something like that. The first, like, I think it's like your fifth donation. They give you like a little key ring with like your blood type on it. Yeah. As like a little, like some, you can literally like put on your thing and all that sort of stuff. What would be cool is if we could be like, oh, well, for, for our first, like, however many subscribers, you'll get a, a zero, 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 one, like, tag where it's like, cool, like, you're our first subscriber. That would be cool. We could and then, definitely... if, and then if we ever go viral or if this ever, like, really takes off, something like, fuck you guys, bars loaded, number one, baby. Yeah. Fuck you, Joe Rogan. Yeah. You don't <laughs> have that. You, you don't have that. <laughs> <laughs> no, He's like, I have the most two podcasts in the world. Like, I don't need that. It's like, oh, well, yeah, fuck you, but you don't give out tags, man. <laughs> 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 no, we need to name our listeners. So I think this is very much on the spot because I just thought of this right now and you're hearing it live or we're recording it live and you're hearing it played back but it was recorded live. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? We need to name our listeners. So I, I'm, I don't know what to name them. Like, do we name, do we name them spotters and loaders? Like, or, or like, is there something cooler that we could name them? Oh, I Cause you know, a, I have, I have a cool idea. Like, you know how Nicki Minaj has like the barbs. Bill, did you and just reference Nicki Minaj on this podcast? Yeah, man. You're fired. Get, <laughs> get out. Get out. What, and like <laughs> just, Justin Bieber, he had the believers. Like instead of like instead of believers, they were believers. Can't believe we're having this conversation right now, Nick. What else, who else had them? Like they've all got names, you know, for the for their little fans. They're called groupies. 
groupies yeah so like we need to name our fans so that one of the podcasts that i listen to every single week is called um new heights and it's Do they a, go to new heights every week no it's because they're it's because <laughs> it's two brothers that do it and they're both nfl players for different teams nice. and they grew up in new heights ohio nice. that was like their town that they're from so it's called new heights but they had their podcast listeners are called the 92 percenters Okay. Yeah. So I don't actually know where that name came from, but to be, to be honest, I quite like the idea of referring to like listeners as like our spotters and loaders. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's cool. really cool. But I also think what I might do is clip the clip this up and put it out there as and just say, let's get let's put it out there to the listeners. Maybe they can decide what they want to be called. Ask them. Like what? Well, you, like, uh, like what could be like if we're looking at like. Again, like people who have subscribed. It's like, cool, the first person to describe is our head judge. <laughs> That's the head judge. <laughs> yeah. Head yeah. yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah. And then we have like side like left judge, right judge, you know, back spotter, side spotters, loaders, and then it gets like if we can get like ten titles, like cool, like we're gonna fill out the titles of our first thing and Maybe they could get a maybe they could get a shirt. Maybe, but I was gonna say, like, depending on like what sort of data we can get, is like whether or not like every month, it's like cool. Like our our top listener is this person. He's our head. He's our head ref for the next month. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we could even do like a whoever shares us on their story and tags yeah. us the most. That'd could, be cool. Could could be the back spotter for the month because that's a prestigious title, man. Oh, if I if I want to be anything, I'm gonna to want to be the back spotter. Of course, but it's also because you're big. They run the platform, bro. Fuck it. Did you ever like the meet? Doesn't happen without them. This may have been a little bit before your time in powerlifting, but did you ever go to or watch a comp where Spiros was back spotting? I think I've seen highlights, but no, I was overseas. My God, he was the greatest back spotter of all time. Yeah. He's like, a big fella, yeah? Yeah. So, like, regardless of what you were doing, how much weight was on the bus, like, if you were going out there and it's like, you knew Spiros was behind you, it's like, cool, it's like, I'm safe. So, I think it was... Um, I can't help but think of Spire of the Dragon, though. Oh, of course. But, like, I remember, so, literally, like, every time you go out, you sort of, like, you get under the bar and you'd be weaving around, and, like, he'd have your hands, his hand, like, on your belt... He sending you up, like he always sending you up. He always was like, cool, like, you know, nice and tight here. And all this kind of like, just like talk to you. It, it was like, it was like you're getting ready to do something big and like your dad was talking over your shoulder, but like, you're going to be fine. Like, just trust yourself. Like, it was that kind of energy that he gave off. Yeah. And like, you know, he'd always hold on to you, stand up, he would hold on to you, and then he would let go, arms would be there ready to catch you if for whatever reason, like, you didn't come back up. But you come up, you stand up. He'd rack you, and then he always undid your belt for you. Oh, nice. And, and he'd, nice always touch. Like, he'd always, like, grab you here. Like, you'd go, and you'd be like, yep, I'm good. And then it was, like, bang, belt, and then it was, like, a tap on the chest like that. Obviously, I imagine he probably didn't give girls a tap there, but quite often, like, he'd give you a little, a little tap on your chest after you were done. Like, good job. Like, off you go. Yeah. It's a nice touch. <laughs> yeah. But, like, even if you're, like, you're coming up, you're like, I'm coming, come, come, Like, I don't have it. And you're like, nah. Like, the moment you start shaking, bang, he grabs you straight away. Yeah, I remember at one big dogs. I think it was 
like a 470 kilo squat that he caught his elbows. So I can't remember remember who it was, but they're like, they've unwrapped it. They're standing there and they're like shaking (laughs) like they're having a geriatric fit. And they got like spat out forward. And so they've gone forward and the bars just going down because of where his arms were. He's just gone and he caught it there. Oh, nice. And obviously everyone's like rushing straight over. There was like a moment where he had like 470 kilos just like in his elbows. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's like, bro, like you are a fucking mad dog. Yeah, that's a he, that's a cool position to have. Yeah. I like but that. It's always one of the things like any comp that like the guys at HQ run, like for the people that have been around for a while in like, especially like Victorian powerlifting at HQ, everyone's like, oh, the good old days when Spiros used to be our back spotter. I had a really good back spotter uh, at Valhalla in Brisbane when I did States. I'm not mm-hmm. exactly sure who it was. Actually, all three of the guys that were there spotting when I, on the squats that day were really good. Um, but because I missed my opener mm-hmm. and then went back out for the second attempt and I was so nervous for that second attempt after missing the first one, walked out, grabbed the bar and back on. literally my hands were shaking as I grabbed the bar. Obviously, like, they could see that. And um, he's just like, as I'm getting set up, he was like, just do your belt up, buddy. And I was like, oh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> did, did, did my belt up. And then he was like, he's like, you're all right, mate. You've got heaps of time. Just take your breath. And I was like, all right, sweet. And he was like, you've literally got 40 seconds. Just take your time. You're all good. And I literally, like, took a little bit more time than I normally would got calm, and then as I unwrapped it, he was like, you're good, mate, let's go. And just those little words really helped way more than what you would think. And this is where, like, I come back to, like, the thing I love about powerlifting is everyone's like, oh, well, you're the only person up on that platform lifting weights. Like, yeah, but it's a team sport. Yeah, but this is also why I don't say the same thing to... I don't say the same thing every time someone's squatting, right? Yeah. So like you'll see the coaches and it's not wrong. Like they'll have certain cues that they give their lifters right before they squat Mm -hmm. or whatever. I tend to shy away from doing that because for me, that then just becomes like so ingrained in that lifter that it's like they almost don't hear it because they know every time you're going to say, do this, do this, do this. It doesn't register and it doesn't really mean anything. Whereas if every time you can just give them something a little bit unique, it means something to them in the moment and it'll I find it helps a little bit more. Yeah. Agreed. So that's that's tends to be what I do. It's not the same ever, really. It's always something different. Yeah. It might be similar, but just worded different. Yeah. But it's like the same general context or concept, but you know, portrayed in a way where it's a little bit different. unique, a little yeah. bit unique each time so that it registers. It's like that you don't get that fatigue of hearing the same thing over and over again where you just don't rec- recognize it. Yeah. What was the uh, second thing we we're going to talk about? The other one was like lifting standards for competition clients versus general population clients. Yeah. Okay. I think that's actually a super interesting one as well. That was one of the topics that you popped into the, to the, the notes. So, yep. So, 
I think if we are like, and obviously talking competition specific clients being powerlifters in this instance, um, our standards and the requirements of the lift are defined by our rule book. Mm-hmm. Um, I think any, I don't know, you and I talk about this quite a lot is if you aren't training to comp standards in a prep, you're kind of missing the point. I 100% agree with that. I think, however, because like, this is the thing that like I was, I saw this on Instagram, I think it was like yesterday, may have, or like whenever I, I put it on the list, where I was like, when someone was like, oh, well, this is a powerlifting bench press. I don't need to do this because I'm not a powerlifter. It's like, regardless of, you know, if I'm like, for me, I'm not actively competing in powerlifting at the moment, but I still want to be able to bench in a way that's, supportive for my structures that's safe and that's going to allow me to maximize how much weight i can press mm-hmm. regardless of whether or not i'm powerlifting or whether i'm just training to be strong how i bench is the same yeah i of course so this is where i go like at the moment the only difference between my comp bench and how i'm training at the moment is my reps are touch and go at the moment but mm-hmm. quite often they're paused mm-hmm. but I'm like, cool. If I'm squatting and I'm prepping for a, a competition, as a general rule of thumb, despite what we see on Instagram, your squats should be to depth. I believe they should be to depth. <laughs> yeah, they probably should be. <laughs> um, and the deadlift should be locked out with actual hip extension, not just fucking huge amounts of lumbar extension. But this is or, where I... Or, or like dropping it really like dropping out of lockout really quickly. I don't know why that's one thing that really bothers me. I is kind, if, is if, kind of get it for rec work. Like, cause people no, are just like, I want to get the set over and done with. Yeah. But no, I feel like you're missing out no, on fuck that. Yeah. No, but like suck it up. Like I'm, I'm not the kind of person who would be like, oh, I've got to hold a lockout for two seconds before I come down. No, 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 not two seconds, but like actually lock it out. Oh, that, that part. Fuck. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, actually lock it out. Not, not not hold it extra long, but just like actually lock it out, you know? Yeah. Like, I, for example, I have a an online client of mine who, like, he's a lawyer. He's, you know, mid-30s. I don't need him. Like, if his squats are kind of, like, teetering on parallel, I don't care. Of course not. Why would it's you? Like, it's like, does it look good? Does it feel good? Does it feel good for him? And is he progressing? Like, if he's squatting like you know five, six inches high, I'd be like, dude, you need to squat a little bit lower. But it's like, if it's like, oh, I'm not really sure this week if like you may be like that high, I don't care. Like, isn't it as- optimal? Isn't it optimal to only squat to like forty-five degrees? Don't. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're doing and you want me to go on a rant I'm not going to do that I just, saw a th- I just saw a thing about it that said it's the safest way to squat to 45 degrees and it it's you don't get any extra benefit from going any lower than that your joints aren't designed to go any lower than that and it's all it's going to do is create injury this, and guy had, some, this guy had heaps of followers, man. 
I'm sure he did. I'm, I'm also probably sure that there I would have been... There I would guarantee someone... you know who it is. Oh, fuck, I don't even want to think. Because I'm like, there are so many people that could be that I'm just like... Oh. It's a real person. You'll tell me after we're done here is which dipshit I need to go make fun of. <laughs> it starts... It rhymes with bowl... Beastman. Hundred <laughs> percent, you know who it is, man. Is he made his he made his whole like that's his whole shtick. Don't squat deep. I actually don't know. I think I know who you're talking about. I'll send I'll send it to you. Okay. Um, but like, you know, like again, like if I've got clients, like I will quite often opt for things like box squats. Mm-hmm. And I'll quite often opt for things like trap bar deadlifts. And I'll quite often opt for things like dumbbell pressing over a bench press. Like, even like, yes, I still have online clients that come to me being like, hey, I want to get really, really strong. I was like, great. We will absolutely prioritize barbell work when it's appropriate. Like, this online client in particular, he, like, he's had this like niggling, recurring, hip lower back injury for a while now he's gone and seen a bunch of physios no one's really been able to give us a like a a good diagnosis on it which is always frustrating Mm. so i'm just like cool let's just try and give you some exercises that are going to help take the hip through a nice range of motion that you can control let's just get everything around the area stronger because regardless of what's going on like that's probably going to help alleviate some of your symptoms Mm mm-hmm so one thing that we're trying at the moment, which is a new approach for us, and again, as we've sort of spoken about in, in previous episodes, like coaching is trial and error to find a good recipe that works for the individual. Yep. At, so previously he would run like a squat session and he would have a deadlift session. We've now switched that up. So he now squats twice a week mm-hmm. and he has one deadlift accessory. So he doesn't actually do traditional, hey, you're doing a deadlift. It's like you're doing RDLs. Mm-hmm. And for him, he's like, I feel really comfortable having a high bar session, a front squat, and then my accessory on the front front squats is RDLs. He's like, I really mm-hmm. like the balance there. It feels really good. Like my joints are happy. I haven't had a flare up of this thing in ages. Can we keep going with this? He's not competing. So I don't have to like, no, 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 no. We have to get you back to this. It's like, if we found something that works, fuck it. We're going to keep working with that. I'm going to yeah, squeeze it until we, we can't anymore. And then we're going to find another position to pivot in. Yeah. But like for him, he, so for numbers, for, for like sort of argument's sake, he high bar squatted 85 for three. He also front squatted for triples. What do you think his front squat was? If his high bar squat was say 85. 60? <laughs> 80. Oh, really? Yeah. He has a really nice front squat. Nice. But if we're talking like in the realms of what was the terminology used for the coaching, like constraint coaching? Yeah, constraint-based. Yeah, so constraint-based coaching. What is the front squat going to do for a squat position? So obviously just keeps you a little bit more upright. Yep, and it's probably going to teach you to keep a stronger brace between your ribs and pelvis. Yep. Realistically, a high bar squat and a front squat shouldn't really be that close in terms of load no there should be a a, a higher gap so 
this is where like when we're sort of talking about like a constraint-based coaching approach like with him he's not a competitor he just wants to be strong and he wants to be injury free mm-hmm. the block i've given him it's like cool we're going to play around with like some some singles like I, again like he's not a not a competitor but it's like cool singles are still an important part of strength expression mm-hmm. it's like again i'm kind of curious like at the end of this block i'm like cool we're gonna do a little bit of a test we're going to kind of see how hot, how heavy you can high bar squat to depth. We're going to see how heavy you can front squat to depth. Yeah. I have a feeling that he'll push his front squat higher than his high bar squat. That'd be cool. But all that te- all that tells me is like, cool. I'm like, I know he's got one of those shitty safety bars at his gym. It might mean it's like, cool, you get a safety bar because when you push the handles to here, that weight's going to swing forward a little bit, and it's going to be like a front squat but we can then train output like it's a high bar squat. Mm-hmm. Again, movement standard, he's still squatting, which, again, my my bias is I like people to squat. I like people to deadlift and I like people to bench press. That is my bias as a coach. Yep. I own that. I agree. I, I do the same thing. Like I've got some clients that are like, oh, I feel really like, I just can't like, you know, that they might squat like a hundred for eight on their, their barbell squat. They might weigh 105 kilos, but I'm like, cool. Well, what happens if we put you in a hack squat? Mm-hmm. Like, can I get a better outcome from giving you a pattern that's a little bit more stable and allows you to train your legs really hard? You have no fucking objective whatsoever that aligns with being a competitor. You know, I don't have to give you like the oh well i i competed in powerlifting a few times this is the creme de la creme of powerlifting technique you must do this it's like i don't give two fucks like i've got clients it's like cool you don't even get to squat with weight yet no i agree like i if i look back at all of the clients that i've worked with over the last 13 years I have had, like, I had one guy who started with me back in 2018, I think it was. And he came to the gym and he was like, oh, never been to a gym before, but I want to get strong. And I'm like, fuck, all right. (laughs) So, like, first session was like, cool, I want to see you move. Like, I kind of need to establish a bit of a baseline to figure out where we're at. He squatted 35 kilos. Nice. So squatted 35, he benched 30, he trap bar deadlifted 60. Mm-hmm. Now, when I say that this guy was probably the client who's coming with the most severe injury list that I've ever seen, fucked up. Yeah. Like multiple shoulder reconstructions on both sides. He's had ribs pulled off his sternum, multiple re- like knee reconstructions. And I'm like, bro, you're fucking you're so broken <laughs> yeah and this is a guy who's never been to the gym as well mind you yeah fast forward like 18 months he squatted 170 nice he benched 110 and he pulled 200 for a belt and stubble nice that's great progress this is like again not a competition client so his squats was like on a bent bar Anytime we try to like 
get like I was looking at his leverages and how he's moving. I'm like, oh, I feel like low bar squat may suit you well, but he just couldn't get into it because obviously his shoulders and all that sort of stuff, he just didn't have the range for it. So it was mostly safety bar and it was a lot of bent bar work. Mm-hmm. Bent bar was like was beautifully him. Yep. He could bench pretty well. And like deadlifting, it was just like he just had like some he he had some brute strength by the time we like got to a point where we pulled 200 for a double. The yeah, funny story that's... is he also had a lucky deadlift shirt that he used to wear. Yeah. It was a Taylor Swift t-shirt. Oh, beauty. To the point where like, we, like I would load his top set on the bar for the night. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm like you got four minutes until you're on. He's like, cool. He's like, can I like, so this was like a private boutique gym that I worked in at the time. So we could you know, chop and change the music as we needed to, which was awesome. But he was like, Oh, is there any chance I can get like a PB song on? I'm like, fucking know if you can, bro. I'm like, yeah. what do you want? And he's like, oh, I want this song by Taylor Swift. And I'm like, Taylor. I'm like, what? Yeah. He's like, he's like, bro, I like her music. I'm like, all right, fuck, man. Like, if, if that's what's gonna fucking get you revved up to pull a big deadlift, let's fucking go. Taylor and Swift, had, see, she hasn't. She had, he was a Swifty. He was. That's a, what he was. Oh, he was the she worst. Has, she has worst. a name. She has a name for those people, and they're called Swifties. I've got a different name for them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Taylor. Taylor actually, Taylor's dating one of the guys on that podcast that I was just talking about. Oh, is that? I've got a story to tell. I'll tell you off air about the story about him. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I love it. Is it good or bad? Uh, It's like a sellout story. I I like those guys. They're good. Yeah. Um, anyway, but yeah, yeah like, so and so, I think even back even back like to that in terms of like movement movement like quality is in like form, right? Like so if we're talking competitor and just general gym gym goer, mm-hmm. what would be your thoughts on how much emphasis needs to be put on technique? High across the board. High across the board. Like regardless, again, like I look at technique being like cool. It's kind of a, it, it's a bridge to safety. Yeah. Like if you squat with good technique, there's a very good chance you're going to squat really nicely and there's a much higher chance that you're not going to get hurt. Again, we look at bench press for example. You look at a lot of powerlifters bench and they'll do the whole like a degree of scapular retraction, a degree of scapular depression, thoracic extension, and then learning how to like internally rotate the shoulders to produce force off the chest. I don't care. Like if someone wants to compete, amazing. Like we'll incorporate pauses and we'll do calls and we'll do all the things that we need to do to make it specific to a competition. Mm-hmm. But if they're just like, oh, I just want to get strong. I'm probably still going to teach them how to bench press in that way so that their shoulders are safer. Like, yeah. how many bodybuilders do you hear? They're like, oh, well, when I bench, my shoulders get flared up, but I bench like here and I do like a guillotine press and oh, no, bench is bad for your shoulders. It's like they're probably the same people who are going to say that deadlifting is bad for your back. And yeah. I'm like, there, there's nothing inherently wrong with the movements, it's how you do them. So, Regardless of 
you know, if someone's like, oh, well, I want to compete, or like, I have no fucking intention of competing, it's like, cool, I'm still going to teach you how to squat with the same principles. I'm still going to teach you how to bench with the same principles. I'm still going to teach you how to deadlift with the same principles. But if you are going to compete, like, you have to know how to squat with a barbell on your back. If you're going to bench, you have to bench with a barbell in your hands. And if you're going to deadlift, you have to deadlift with a barbell in front of you. Like yep. there is like you can't go into a, into a powerlifting competition, but like guys, can we just like swap the squat bar out for a safety bar for this? Because it just bungs my shoulders up if yeah, I have to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do mine on a safety bar because I'm way better at that. Yeah, like you don't have that freedom. Like you are constrained by the sport if you choose to compete. Like and that is just the reality of it. But I think if you are coming into the gym and you're just like, hey, I just want to train to be strong, you have so much more flexibility and freedom with the modalities available to you. And I think when you have coaches that pigeonhole their, their clients into going, oh, well, I'm, I'm a powerlifting coach. Therefore, if you're going to train with me, that you have to compete and B, you have to do these competition lifts, even if you don't want to compete. I just think that's really fucking lazy. Yeah, it is. But it also might just be what they, all they know as well. But like, this is also where I'm like, that's not good enough. Like, with the amount of information that's available now, like read a fucking book, like listen to a <laughs> podcast, like on YouTube. Like, there is so much stuff available around strength and conditioning in terms of like how to keep your athletes in a better position. Like fair enough. If someone's like, Hey, I'm 12 months into the industry. I'm not expecting them to be able to like, to be at the level that say you or I are at. But one thing that like, and again, like obviously, not to spruik our own services, but like when I run my seminars, the thing that shits me to fucking tears is I have coaches that come in and I ask basic questions and they're like, oh, I, I don't know, that's like foreign to me. I'm like, how is it foreign to you when people pay you money to tell them this shit? Like, how do you not know? Like, it gets to a point where it's just like, you've been doing this long enough, like you should know. You should know these things, yeah, for sure. Like, again, if you're... Like, I don't make any uh, grand gestures that I'm a wizard when it comes to nutrition. I don't have to. It's not my wheelhouse. Like, if I wanted to get really good at nutrition, I would probably go off and I would probably do a ISSN sports nutrition certification. I would probably go pick a few people that are, like, fucking wizards at nutrition. I would be like, hey, I want to book in four consults with you. I want to learn X, Y, and Z. Fuck, it's what I did when I was, like, I'm really, like, I'm really like keen on strength training. I picked people who were not only like brutally strong themselves and could do some crazy things with a barbell to learn from, but I also picked people who ran coaching business where they made a very good business getting people strong. I was like, cool. I want to pick your brain. Like I want to learn from you. Like what courses do you have? What consults do you have available? You know, I invested money. Yeah. I think, and again, like I'm going to go on a little bit of a tism rant here, but like. Go for it. I love that. But coaches expect their clients to invest in them to be able to go, oh, well, you need to invest in me so that you can get the great result. But like, what investments are they making? Like, how much money are they spending? Like, if I was to look back over the money that I've spent over the last decade, like, it's well in excess of $100,000. Like, I take my education very seriously. And as a result of that, like, I charge top dollar because I can I can deliver on a very good service. And I'm, again, like, not to toot my own home, but like, I'm very fucking good at what I do. But I didn't mm-hmm. get very fucking good at what I do by... By sitting there going, oh, I don't need to go. I've done my cert for. I don't need to go and learn anymore. Like, 
like everyone's just gonna, everyone's just going to get SPD six yeah, times a week at RPE seven. It's like, oh, well, I've got I've gone down a comp automatically that makes me a powerlifting coach. It's like, no, no, that doesn't qualify you for shit. It qualifies to say that, like, oh yeah, you've done some comps, you have a little bit of comp experience, but the difference as an between, athlete, yeah, but I'll say the difference between doing a comp as an athlete versus prepping someone for a comp as a as a coach, it's fucking worlds apart. It's like, not even it's not even the same thing. No, not even and close. I, and I think if you're going to sit there and go, oh, I'm going to give this these people, they're all doing comps and they're all going to be on the same programs. Like giving them one program with no variation and it's doesn't matter if you're Tom, Dick or Harry or fucking whatever the fuck your name is over there. If you're all doing the same accessories, you're doing the same percentages, like percentages were up here, whatever. But if it's all the same accessories and it's all the same movements, regardless of the person, that is just fucking lazy. It's not coaching. No. It's, it's blanket programming, programming, to be honest. Just to satisfy whatever the fuck you're trying to satisfy. Um, but oh, I've just lost my train of thought a little bit there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just—I literally looked at your face and you were just completely blank. Do you want to know what threw me off? What? Your screen froze. Oh, so did yours. Yeah, and I was like, I'm like, I'm like, is my internet going to drop out again? Yeah, it's okay. It's it's yeah. happened one or two times, but it's alright. It's it's fine. It's yeah, but it's like, what gives me the shits is, you know, people who have been in the industry for like three, four, five years, and they've done no upskilling, and it's like, mm. how are you going to sit there and like, like have a consult with a potential client and be like, hey, look, this is you know, I, I want you to potentially pay me like. 100 200 300 dollars a week but i certainly won't go and do any upskilling myself like again if you don't want to pay thousands of dollars for like high-end coaches to really like guide you through the weeds like that's fine you can go out and you can buy bloody books mm -hmm. you can buy some really good like anatomy of strength training books like that is a phenomenal resource mm -hmm. you can go out and buy like the book of like you know, biochemistry for dummies. If that's what you want to learn about, like you can buy the four dummies, like edition of whatever it is you want to learn. And you're going to get really good information. That's probably going to be pretty helpful. That's going to give yep. you enough of a baseline to go, Hmm, where are gaps in my knowledge? And now where can I go and upskill? Yeah. Nice. I agree. And this, this also just comes back to, to bring it exactly like back to what we we're talking about, which is, a long way from where we ended up as usual. <laughs> <laughs> but to go back to movement standards is like not if you have a bigger base of knowledge and if you've done that work and you you understand the human body, it's not just applying the same words to every client that you have and saying, you have to do these three things and that's perfect because everyone's going to be a little bit different. Everyone's going to move a little bit different. And if you have overarching principles and like a base level of knowledge of how the human body works and, and what's happening at like a joint and musculature level when you're performing these movements and what's actually happening beneath the surface, you can figure out why things look a little bit different. And sometimes that might be okay. Like it doesn't have to look exactly the same every single time on the surface level if you know what's happening underneath yeah it can be it can look a little bit different and that's okay but if you don't know what's happening underneath the surface level all you're going to say is 
got to keep your knees out or, you know, whatever, just for an example, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's what it looks like on the surface. So I guess that comes back to kind of my point of view is technique is obviously extremely important and we want to do things in the safest way possible and we want these movements to be safe for the people that we're coaching. Yeah. And we want them to be loadable and we want them to be progressible. But I also think that for a maybe like a more general population client, there's a point where it, it's almost like there's a point where it's good enough and and it doesn't have to be world class. And yep. I'm I'm not gonna like break someone's balls if it's like 10% off and I'm like, no, man, listen, you have to squat as good as Joe. But I think as well, like, what are, like, how many gem pop clients do you work with? At the moment, not a whole bunch. Cool. But if you think back to like your overall time in the fitness industry, mm-hmm. when most gem pop clients come to the gym, what is a really general reason why they're there? Oh, I mean, there's always just the like lose weight turn up crew, or yep. I want to feel a little bit a little bit stronger. Was yep. a big one. Um, you know, a big one that I used to always get in the in the in the um, commercial gyms as well was um, I'm always like I'm in pain a lot, and I want to not be in pain anymore. Yeah. So, generally, like the two that I will generally hear the most is like I want to move better and I want to feel better. Mm-hmm. a lot of the time like the whole like i want to feel better like eventually equates to, like i want to be a little bit less fat which is mm-hmm. fine yeah um but like sometimes again when we look at the the state of a lot of people that come through the door most of what they need is a fucking confidence boost mm-hmm. if all you're doing as a coach is tearing someone down because they don't make comp standards like I don't care if someone if like if someone's going for a big deadlift and they're a little bit hitchy or they ramp it a little bit, but they stand up. It's like you know what I do after they're done. They put it down. I walk up and I give them a fist. I'm like, "Fuck yeah, brother!" I'm like, "That was fucking sick." Yeah. We celebrate. That's like cool. Like, you know, how did it feel for you? Like, oh man, I felt like it was so hard. It was so heavy. It's like, yeah, cool. Some shit showed up. We don't need to address that yet. We'll worry about that down the track. But like, the main thing is like, you did it. Like I told you, you could do it. You believed in yourself. You executed. Well done. Like that's all you need to do. Yep. Because then they have a sense of going. And like, and this is the beautiful thing about like strength training. Like as far as like I'm, I'm concerned is like you give someone the confidence and the skills to be able to do something they didn't think they could do. That there is a life skill that's real hard to teach. Mm-hmm. But if you can be like, hey. You know, like, because like, again, like previously, like I've worked with clients like, you know, three, four times a week, you see them more, like they see you more than they see their friends. They see you more than they see their family. Like you're, you become a really like integral part to their life. And they'll like talk to you about like, oh, you know, this is going to work. Like I'm trying to, trying to navigate, trying to get this promotion, but like, fuck, like it's, it's really hard. I'm a bit nervous. Like, I don't know if I'm about to do it. And so you can take the qualities that you've helped them develop through strength training, but like, cool, dude, like you also didn't think that like 12 months ago, you'd be picking up a you know 180 kilo deadlift, but you did it. Yep. Like you did the prep work for it. 
you made sure that how like how we got ready for it was relative to what we want to be able to do when it came to this like you just need to like apply that same those same principles to this like maybe speak to your manager like hey look I'm, I'm trying to go for this promotion like what are some things that we can do to help prepare me for it so that when i go in for my interview like i'm ready like utilize the networks around you that you do have to help set you up for success if all we're doing is going oh well your knees caved a little bit in that squad it was fucking shit <laughs> like you, you're just destroying people's comfort like don't get me wrong there are some people that they want really brutal and harsh feedback yeah but even those people i think that you can there's a point where it's like we don't want to like obviously you and i are both very much in the camp of like technique matters we really we want things to look nice we want things to to happen the way we want them to happen because there's a reason for it but i also think that there's a point where if something doesn't look 100 perfect i don't i'm also not the coach that's going to say oh fuck, ben your hip shifted three degrees to the left so we need to strip it back to body weight and do 7,000 body weight squats until your hip doesn't shift at all. And then we can start loading at one kilo a week from there. Yeah. Because that's just not how shit works, man. No. I think there's a there's a level that you can get to where it's safe, it's effective. If you're an athlete, it's going to pass competition standards. If you're a gem pop client, it's going to get us the result that we're looking for. And yeah. then from there, we can we can see the things that ideally you and I might want to fix those people might not even give a fuck about and we can just no, slow- at the time they won't give a fuck about no and we can just very slowly maybe guide them in that direction over a period of time without even saying your hip is shifting to the left because they don't fucking care and it doesn't even really matter in the grand scheme of things it matters well, to us because we're purists yeah, but to a, but to them it doesn't, and it's not affecting the outcome. It's not affecting the movement. We can slowly manipulate it over time without destroying their confidence, and that's going to be a much better experience in the long run. And even for athletes, especially for athletes, it's not going to be perfect every time. No, but like, and it doesn't need to be. <laughs> it's like you look at the nature of competition, and it is chaotic at best like i think powerlifting like it's a pretty controlled sport mm-hmm. but like you take like a a football or something like that like there's nothing about that that's controlled so it's like if you're looking for precision and perfect every single time without a level of like variety and deviance that's an okay re- like range to work with like you're kind of setting them up for failure by not allowing them to fuck it up a little bit in a, in a setting yeah. where it is a little a lot safer like yeah you know like even like if you're looking at like jump mechanics for example like if you're doing like off a box and it's like cool it's like a, a drop off bank into a broad jump and you're trying to teach people like how to decelerate into that and then like produce force to like jump forward for that change of direction like power development it's not always going to be perfect how they land but that's mm-hmm. sometimes like the best stuff that you can allow them to do because it's like if you're out in the field playing a sport you're not going to land perfectly every single time. Like No, and a, a lot of like general strength and conditioning for athletes is literally putting them in bad positions 
Yeah. And then and then loading through those bad positions so mm. that on game day, when you're fucking grabbed in six different directions and folded in half, you don't break because you're, you're used robust. to it. Yeah. So it's like this is and this is exactly one of the things that I think is very well known and well practiced in the the overall strength and conditioning scene that isn't isn't so much implemented in in powerlifting is let's train some bad positions let's get strong in some not ideal positions so that maybe when things don't go perfectly to plan you're able to still get through that movement you're able to muscle through it you're able to overcome that poor position because it's you've been there before and i'm not saying like do things poorly on purpose but i'm saying maybe like maybe let's look at how we can load some some positions that are maybe frequently occurring breakdowns and let's get let's expose ourselves to them let's get a little bit stronger in those positions so that they're not so much a, a limiting factor i'm like i think like a really good example is like when you hear people that like oh any flexion in the back is going to cause you spinal cancer <laughs> yeah exactly but like like i mean like i i quite often will teach clients i'm like if we can round through the upper back we can actually we can probably maximize your position and probably make it a little bit more efficient 100 percent for like, sure if you look at my deadlift like i don't deadlift with a neutral spine nor my, do i my lumbar spine is probably quite neutral maybe mm-hmm. a little bit of bias towards a little bit of flexion because my pelvis tucks a little bit mm-hmm. but my that's also by design mm-hmm. like it's not like i've been like neutral 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 oh, i've got an over 250 and now i'm turning into like a fishing rod it's like no no no. i'm i'm biasing like upper back flexion i'm maintaining a nice strong brace and i'm putting my pelvis in a position that allows me to use my glutes really strongly mm-hmm. yeah and it doesn't does it, it doesn't go change. into more more flexion as you go yeah yeah like i set the position and then i could hold that really rigidly but i think like similarly do I teach that to my gen pop clients? Probably not. They probably don't have the control for it or the strength. Well, like, so or the even or even the need really. Well, I was gonna say like with a gen pop client, it's like, well, why do I need to teach you how to maximize your your body's position so you can maximize the load on the bar? Like, I don't because you don't need. That's not a a technique that's really relevant to someone who just wants to get generally strong. Until they get to a point where it's like, if you're able to deadlift like a double body weight and you could do that pretty convincingly with a nice neutral spine like then we might find that the body just naturally starts finding these positions mm-hmm. but the amount of people that i've like it's it's funny i had two consults in the last week where i've had people be like i have flat feet like i can't do that i have flat feet i'm like cool. looking at their foot and i'm like oh there's an i'm like you see that like that like bit here where i can like put my finger in and they're like, just, they're like, yeah. I'm like, you don't have flat feet. The amount of people that I've had co- like consults with in the last decade where they're like, oh, I can't squat, I've got bad knees. Do you want to know mm. what my favorite way is to get around that? What's up? I'm like, yeah, oh, I'm like, yeah, they'll come down. I'm like, so what's going on? They're like, oh, look, you know, just want to like, I want to get strong, but like, I can't squat because I've got bad knees. Look at my mate, Nick. Like, oh, who, who told you you got bad knees? I'm like, oh, you know, a doctor, a physio, whoever the fuck told him. Like, yeah, yeah, no worries. Like, just, just take a seat down on the bench there for me. I sit down on my cool, I stand up. I stand up on my cool, you can squat, you don't have bad knees. 
<laughs> you just did it. Yeah, or like when someone's like, oh, I, I can't deadlift, I've got a bad back. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's cool, that's cool. And then I'll, like, I'll purposely be like, oh, can you just like go over there and just pick that thing up off the floor for me and just bring it over here? And they do that, I'm like, cool, you can pick an item up off the floor. You, you don't have a bad back. You just need to be like load appropriate. Yeah. I think when we give people the the freedom to not be scared of pain, it's quite freeing. Like, again, my background and my back injury, like, gives me a level of empathy with people when they do have pain where it's like, if you've got someone who's like, don't do this, you'll hurt yourself, you're going to be fucking terrified. Yeah. Whereas if it's like... Sorry, go on. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Like, But if you could be in a position where it's like, hey, look, I know what it feels like to be in severe pain all the time. It's not fun. Why the fuck would we want to stay here? What yep. if I could show you some ways to move a little bit differently that's going to allow the body to actually adapt in a way that's going to help reduce your pain? Then people will be like, take my money. Help yep. me. Yeah, and then they do it and they find out that it actually does help them. Did I, tell we, about- I, had this, I had this exact situation with a client that he's a fantastic client and you know who this is, mm-hmm. but he had... For a long time, he had really bad um, back pain um, and he couldn't, he was like, ah, I just can't deadlift. I just can't deadlift. Every time I deadlift, I have back pain and it flares up and it hurts for weeks on end and I just, I can't do it. So I just don't. I'm like, well, man, you want to compete in powerlifting. So unfortunately, you're either just going to have to do it or you can't compete because like, it's what there's three lifts and that's one of them. So there's no getting around it. He's like, oh, yeah, true. So we just started slow and just I gave him multiple exposures through the week. And then before, like literally it didn't even take that long. It was probably after only about a month. And he was like, well, I have no back pain whatsoever and I'm deadlifting heavier than I ever have. And I'm like, yeah, it's because there was probably no issue there in the first place. It's just that you got a little bit sore and you automatically, because you'd been told that you have a bad back, you were like, oh, I'm my erectors are sore. Oh, no, my back's hurt. No, you just fucking deadlifted 170 kilos. You're sore. It's okay. I had a client, like this is going back to like 2014, 2015, somewhere around there. She was like a like 14-year-old girl who was like a state-level netball. Have I told you about her mum? No, I don't think so. Maybe. So her mum came and picked her up from training one day. She like walks up the stairs of the gym. She like walks over to where we are and she's like grabbing her knee and she's grabbing her back. She walks and she's like, oh, and she sits down. I'm like, what, what the fuck's wrong with you? And she's like, oh, she's like, oh, my, my knee and my back are just like really sore today. I'm like, oh, like what have you done? She's like, oh, they've been sore for years. <laughs> and I'm like, like, so I'm like, what if, like, have you actually like, hurt them or are they just like achy all the time she's like oh they're just achy all the time like you know there's no like actual injury they're just i'm just sore i'm like okay cool so i'm like what are you doing about it and she's like i've been going to pilates i'm like how long have you been doing that for she's like oh about four years i'm like it's not really working is it (laughs) and she's like oh oh she's like i never really thought about it like that and she was like so she's like what should i do and i'm like Today's your lucky day. I'm going to make you a fucking outrageously good deal because I'm feeling like I was just feeling a little bit sassy that day. <laughs> and she's like, all right, she's like, what's the deal? And I'm like, you're going to train with me. 
We're going to do three sessions together a week. And I guarantee you that in 12 weeks time, there will be a substantial reduction in your knee and back pain. So, okay. So what's the deal? I'm like, if in 12 weeks time, there is not a substantial change, like change in your pain levels, I'll give you a full refund. Nice. And she was like, what? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I bet you if you went back to your Pilates studio and you asked them for a refund on four years worth of Pilates because it hasn't done anything <laughs> about your pain, they're going to laugh you out the door. Yeah. I'm giving you a win-win scenario here. Best case scenario, you have a small investment compared to what you've spent on Pilates over the last four years and you walk around with a substantial reduction in your pain or in 12 weeks time, you don't have a reduction in your pain and you get your money back. I'm like, it's, it's like, you can't lose. No. And she was like, she was like, like I, don't, I don't understand though. I'm like, there are conditions though. I'm like, you have to come to every single session a week. You're not allowed to cancel and you have to do everything outside of these sessions that I ask you to do. And she's like, well, how am I going to, how are you going to know if I don't, if I do or don't do them? I'm like, cause if you don't do them, you'll still be in pain in 12 weeks time. <laughs> yeah. So it's on you. Yeah. I'm like, you have 36 sessions in the next 12 weeks that you have to complete. And she was like, under one condition. I'm like, what's that? She's like, can I pay by credit card? I'm like, only if you pay in full. And she's like, all right, done. <laughs> so I was like, sweet. I just made a lot of money that day. <laughs> But literally, like, she came in at the start of, like, so I think it was session session eight or session nine that she came in. She walks up the stairs and she walks over and she's like, something really weird just happened. And I'm like, what? And she is like, I just walked up the stairs pain-free for the first time ever. Like, since she, <laughs> like, like, so I've been training her daughter for two years. Yeah. And she's like, this is the first time I've walked up these stairs without my knee hurting. And I was like, oh, I was like, so would you say that's a substantial reduction in pain in your knees? She's like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, cool. We're in week three. Yeah. That's fucking like, incredible. We still have so much time. And then two weeks later, she walks up the walks up the gym. Uh, so walks up the stairs to the gym, and she walks over and she gives me this big hug. And I'm like, oh, like you know, lovely to see you. Like, how's your weekend? And she goes, I woke up on Sunday morning for the first time in I don't know how long without my back hurting. What the fuck have you done? <laughs> and I'm like, I just taught you how to move a little bit better and got you stronger. And yeah. she's like, but this like has gotten rid of pain that I've had for years. She's like, I have been in like consistent pain for like six or seven years. I'm like, I know. Mm -hmm. And she's like, but you just got rid of it in like half the time that you told me I needed to work for you, uh, work with you for. And I'm like, I know. And she's like, you knew you weren't going to have to refund my money, didn't you? I'm like, yeah, I did. Yeah, she's like, of course. She's like, but how did you know that it was going to work? I'm like, because I'm a genius. <laughs> <laughs> because, because I'm not from this planet. 
yeah, I, like I said to her, I'm like, look, I said, you know, I'm like, you, you've paid me a lot of money for these 12 weeks, right? And she's like, well, yeah. I'm like, my question is, every time that pops up, I just like, I have to giggle. Um, but I said to her, I'm like, and this like comes back to what I was like ranting about before. I'm like, what do you think I'd do with this money that I make? And she's like, I don't fucking know. I'm like, I invest it. I'm like, I go and learn from people so that when someone like you comes in the door and they complain that they're in pain, I can make an outrageous offer where I'm like, cool, you have a results guaranteed or money back offer. That's not a, mm-hmm. an offer that I make all the time, but it's a pretty good selling point for a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. Like it takes, it takes like, away the gamble. Yeah, like it's like, cool, like I'm either going to get results or I get all my money back. Like it is literally... Like again, like I have nothing to lose here, and then people have a huge degree of buying, but there also comes a point like you take a, a person who's been a coach for 12, 18 months, and they don't have the skill sets to be able to back up this, you know, their knowledge. Whereas, yeah. again, like I think at the time, like, I may have been in the industry for like seven ish years or so, but it was like I'd done a pretty decent amount of upskilling where I'm like. I reckon I can probably just get hurt if there's no like, you know, if there's no like severe like injury history, like, you know, obviously I asked her like, you know, what, what was the actual diagnosis? And she's like, Oh, it's just like, it's just general soreness. It's like that's more often than not. And again, not as a general rule, but as a pretty safe assumption, it's like, if there's no, like, like no actual underlying injury and someone just, you know, does Pilates, not to hang shit on Pilates, but it's like, that's probably not going to be enough to make sure that the body is robust and adaptable enough to make sure it's not in pain. Yeah. And I know, look, I, I don't really care. Like, <laughs> I don't really care what other coaches or PTs or whatever think and how they run their business and what their values are within that. But I think you and I are pretty well aligned in the fact that that's a really important part of what we do and what we value is I I don't want you to just, I don't want to get you stronger, but also fuck you up in the process. And then you have to spend X amount of time going and rehabbing yourself. I don't, I want you to move properly and get stronger properly so that we're still moving properly. There's longevity to it. If you're an athlete, you can get really, really strong. You don't have to get that fucked up in the process. If you're a Gempop client, the the idea should be that this is enhancing your life, not not inhibiting your life. This is something that we do so that we can be better outside of the gym, not really good in the gym and worse outside of the gym. And I think you and I have really, really try and, you know, live those values as much as possible. Yeah. Um and I think that's probably a topic that we could do a whole episode on is the you know, corrective exercise versus just exercising correctly. Thank you, Free Script. <laughs> Thank you, Free Script. Because <laughs> I fucking love that. But, like, this is, and again, like, I think we could really do, like, a full episode where we just go down a real tism hole. Yeah, let's do it. I love those oh, ones. I think we should as well. But, like, I think just sort of, like, really touching on that point of going, like, We've spoken about like, you know, a lot of people tend to find 
strength training and powerlifting like a little bit later in life compared to other sports. Mm-hmm. And I think the whole thing of like, you know, placing an emphasis on longevity is really, really important. Like you speak to people that have grown up playing, you know, a sport since they were like three or four years old. They played all through their preteens. They played all through their teens. They played all through like the early adulthood. And then they're like, hey, my goal for this is to go to the Olympics. If you ask those athletes, hey, hey, you know, like obviously we have the Olympics this year and, you know, they might be like, oh, well, would you sacrifice, like, would you die by 2030 if it meant that you'd win a gold medal this year? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. Like their entire life revolves around that sport. Yeah. But I think this is a really important thing to sort of like touch on. It's like most people, like, as you said, they come into the gym to enhance their life outside of the gym. Mm-hmm. And I think teaching people like framework and principles rather than like going real like nerdy and specifics, I think that allows people to then go, well, I can have longevity. Like you and I have spoken about this quite a number of times. Like I want to be that old man in the gym who's like brutishly strong and people are like, oh, that guy has some like old man strength. Yeah. But like, that's me looking forward in the future, like 20, 25 years. Like, I don't, I, did I, I'm not sure if I sent you the video of the guy. Um, I can't remember what his name is, but he's from America where he's like, he pulled like 370 and they're still aiming for a 400 kilo deadlift and he's 57 years old. Uh, I don't think I've seen that. But that's incredible. But I'm like, you're 57 years old and you're still being like, oh, yeah, I'm still trying to pull 400. Yeah. I'll see if I, I'm hoping that the old uh, Instagram thingy does its thing and it now pops up in my reels tonight because if it does, I'll it send it to you and then I'll also post it on my story. But like that sort of thing is like that's a degree of longevity that most people can't fathom. Like people get into powerlifting like they're say their 20s or their 30s, they do it for like a year or two and they get burnt out. It's like that's wrong. Like Yeah, that's, that's wrong. Like, yeah. That's such an old school – oh, well, you're doing a prep, you're six weeks out, like your joints are going to be fucked, your sleep's going to be shit, like just push through because it's part of the process. It's like it may have been part of the process like 10, 15, 20 years ago, but I think with like the new age of the approach to coaching, it's like we can't be, like especially like for, for gen pop clients, like even if they are in a, you know, the period of their training program where it's like, cool, we're going to start ramping things up and we're going to have a like a 1RM testing session in five weeks' time, like, they shouldn't go and, like, oh, I can't fucking get into my car because I'm brutally sore and my joints ache and I can't sleep. Like, that's that's a – you fucked up as a coach. Yeah, I would I would say that a gen pop client should never, ever feel like that under pretty much any circumstances. There's no need for that. <laughs> to be fair, though, like, one thing that I kind of pride myself on is getting my athletes – so the, the palaces I do work with – the thing that I like to place a big emphasis on is I'm like, you shouldn't be fucking going into comp. Like, you'll work hard, but, like, if you're getting to a point where, like, you can't reach around and wipe your ass because your shoulders are that jacked up, like, there's a problem. If you can't bend down and put your shoes on because your body's that fried, it's like, that's a problem. Like, yes, if you're lifting high-end loads, like, you are going to be fatigued. Yeah. But there's a difference between someone being fatigued and their body being fucked. Big difference. Yeah. Let's end it there. Next week, we're going to talk cool. about bench. So we can. <laughs> that feels like my jam at the moment. Yeah. Both for both of us, too. Oh, yeah. We're gonna, I'll, I'm not going to talk about my bench. I'm, I'm going to 
fucking full tis of it next week. Oh, I can't we're, wait. We're gonna so next week will probably be probably be three plus I reckon because we're gonna um I've got so much to say and I'm gonna go so deep. Are we going to just give an update that it won't be on the Monday that we're reporting from next week? Um, yeah, it won't be, but a sh- does that impact our? It won't, okay. No, it won't matter because we're a week ahead. Um, but yeah, we'll be recording from Tuesdays as of the week following the release of this episode. We're going to move the recording to the Tuesday night. Because we're going to learn shit. Because we're going to learn shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> there are other options, but I just want to do Jordan's Jordan's call, and I figure if, oh, I'm, fuck yeah. if I'm paying to be in this, um, he's kind of like the main reason why I want to do it, so I just want to be in his labs. Yep. Not that the other guys aren't fantastic. I'm just a little bit biased towards like the big guy. Yep, fair. And... Um, I don't think it will affect the the release schedule, um, but if it does, if it's a day later, we'll just post it on the stories. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely keep everyone up to date. But it should still be Tuesdays for release date, and um, yeah, next week will be bench and strap in for that one. But both Ben and I will put up stories about questions prior to the day, also. So if you have bench questions. Oh, yes. Start thinking about them, jotting them down in your notes so that when you see the story, hit them with it. Hit hit us with the questions because we want to go we want to go deep on them. We want to answer all of your questions so that you all have fantastic bench presses in 2024. Fuck yeah. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. All right, man. Enjoy your night. See you guys.